Hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Screen Champs. I'm your host, Dubs. Here with my co-host, the Madman Mo. What's going on, brother? What's happening, man? Uh, today's episode, we're going to drop our 2021 Top 10s. And uh, a lot of people do this. Uh, a lot of people share this. I want you to know that we care a lot about these. I feel like we spend a lot of time talking about these. We spend a lot of time curating these. We watched a lot of movies to put this together, like painstakingly. The same thing happened last year. Uh, I know you said you were listening to some old episodes, and there was, I think, what was the New Year's resolution I put out? <laughs> I think the New Year's resolution was to watch more movies. Like, as they come out, just, like, watch them. Um, and not wait, like, last minute. Yeah, I which, fucked up. Um, I, mean, I did not... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like to have a better peace of mind but now i'm like i should have watched more movies like why the why the hell did i not have that as a resolution too i was like this is a yeah this is a shit to, i had like 40 movies that to watch it was intense yeah, it was a lot and, th- and there's a couple notable ones that i think are going to come up as we share our list that uh that, that, that i'm gonna say that i missed i know there's a couple that you missed and it is what it is but this year, my resolution is also to watch more movies, but to actually do it. And I think, I think we're gonna, it's gonna be good. It was so funny that I've, I've been watching so many movies that even tonight, when I got home, my wife was like, "So, what movie are we watching today?" Like, she's like been conditioned to just like, oh, "Now you got home from work, now we have to watch another movie." Like, because I just all I've done is watch movies. That's <laughs> that sounds like terrifying. Dude. Yeah, I was like, we don't have to watch a movie today. Uh, I was actually gonna we're gonna record the pod. She was like, oh, okay, what? cool, what? Oh, oh. for sure. <laughs> so we just don't you don't have to watch anything. I was like, no, no. Like I could just watch for pleasure today. She's like, whoa. And then we threw on like Tropic Thunder in the background while I took notes and stuff. So oh hell yeah, dude, yeah, yeah that's the like the top five pleasure movie for sure, dude. Oh yeah, big fan. Uh, that's dope. I I'm I'm just excited to watch more movies also this year but like in the theater yeah because there is you know, i had a lot of movies to watch multiple ways i figured out like some i watched on my phone some watched i like i'm at parents house some i you know questionable websites here and there i think i downloaded a copy i think someone gave me like a disc that uh was like a low-key like fake like uh, screener i don't know i wouldn't know all i know is that um i watched it and got rid of it as you should um and uh i'm excited not to do any of that i just want to go to a movie theater and watch my freaking movies and be responsible so i'm excited to do that this year that's my resolution okay i mean to watch movies the, in theaters the 2021 film slate is extremely limited for theaters so uh, you probably won't watch many but We'll see unless they start releasing things. You never know. But so many down. got pushed back. As long as they release Jackass in February, that's all I care about. That's all I care about. I'm f I'll go to the small ones too. I'll go to the tiny ones. There's like a theater in Glendale. I'm down to go there. Oh yeah. And watch like the one movie that they're playing that no one else has. Indie stuff for life. And I dealt with a lot of that too. Three of my movies in my top ten are movies that I saw in theaters. The rest were definitely streamed or downloaded. So Damn. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was a couple, I mean, there was a couple that I watched in theaters that almost made the list and they just didn't, you know, but, uh, but yeah, my top 10, only three are theatrical. A couple of them I could have seen in theaters, but I missed them or, you know, any other reason. Uh, one of them, almost everyone did not see in theaters. I just happened to see it in theaters. Uh, okay. So let, let's hop into our top 10s here. Uh, this, there's a couple things that are pretty exciting about this top 10. We kept our list from each other until today. 
And we literally have no carryover on our list whatsoever. This was not done on purpose. We each have 10 movies. So you're going to get 20 unique different movies. We do not have the same movie on either of our lists. I was shocked when I saw it. Yeah. Um, for a year that I, I was kind of like worried about man getting everything together and which what movies are going to resonate. What do I want to talk about? What do I want to put on this list? The same thing happens every year. I'm like, man, there wasn't much. And then I get like to this list of 15, and I'm like, I would die for any one of these movies. I can't remove anything. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so either way, I found my 10, and I just am cracking up at the fact that your 10 are just completely different than mine. And these are all movies since, like, are from March on, right? Or, from, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. From like the 2021, I guess, like, film year because or the oscar the oscar film the year. oscar year the oscar yeah. film year that's what we're go- uh, kind of going by so um yeah there's there's movies that were missed from like january to like march like um um uh, judas and the black messiah i think came out mm-hmm. like in february yeah. judas and black messiah it's just Minari, promising yeah. young woman all these ones that became yeah, yeah. available to us at that time the father yeah oh yeah Oof. 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 man what a movie um, those easy, are not on the easy list. Top tens. All those, uh, all those were nominated for uh, yeah. Oscars. They, they all made the cut. They extended the, the deadline. They made the cut. Uh, they're not on our list. Still good movies. Yeah. And technically, I guess came out this year. <laughs> so, so, yeah, COVID made this a weird anomaly year. So we're really doing movies from March first on uh, till December, and then next year, in theory, everything's going to be back to normal, where it's just the calendar year, as it always is yeah. normally mm-hmm. pre-COVID. Uh, so yeah, so we have ten. I mean, I just I can't get over to the fact that none of our movies match. Like not one. The, there was I had eleven, <laughs> and I got rid of one movie, which would have been on the Madman's list. So that last one I happened to get rid of. We shared our list, and I was like, "Well, damn, look at that." So yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, do, do you want to set us off with your uh, number ten here? Yeah, so and I'll and I'll kind of set off the tone here, okay? So Madman Moan, if you listen to Mad the Man pod, tone. you already know what I'm about, you know. Madman Moan coming at you from the dome. You're trying to mess with me, you're gonna get blown. Hey yo! And you're like, hey, oh, hey yo, I'm the Bulwark King. Um, and so <laughs> and so just to set it off right, set the moon. Number 10 in my list is The Suicide Squad. Yo, is this a dog? What? Is, is this thing a dog? A, a dog? Yes. What What kind, kind of dog do you think it is, mate? I don't know. I'm not familiar with all the breeds. I'm going to go with Afghan Hound. She's winners in Afghan Hound, that bloody thumbs. Oh, my God. Is it a werewolf? I want it to meet a werewolf forever. Yo, they sent me into a werewolf? He's not a werewolf, okay? He's a weasel. He's harmless. I mean, he's not harmless. He's killed 27 children, but, you know, we got him to... I think he's agreed to do this. Whatever the case, does everyone get into position to drop? Ooh. Bam. No-brainer. If you know Mad Men Moan, you know he loves this movie. <laughs> uh, directed by the James Gunn. Uh, formerly known as Pam Beasley's husband. Mm. And uh, the plot is uh, supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Reeve Rev Prison uh, join the super secret, super shady task force X as they are dropped off at a remote enemy infused island 
of Cardo Maltese. Um, this movie's a freaking comic book, you know, like just it's a comic book made into a movie, and they do it so well. James Gunn handled it. They they knew what they wanted when they hired this guy, and they brought their uh, comic book uh, world to life. Um, and it was it was a wildly entertaining movie. Uh, so much fun I had in the movie theater watching this movie. Super intense. How it just kind of like destroys whatever continuity um, Suicide Squad had uh, the David Ayer version, okay. and uh, and it does it like like f- f- so hysterical. Like Pete Davidson dies like. Head blown this, off. Again, yeah, Kanye I, West yeah. excited. Yeah. He's probably playing that on repeat right now. Just like <laughs> pumped. Uh, he might make a song out of it. Um, oh. But no, I mean it's it's super entertaining, super fun, and uh, like surprisingly wholesome. There's, there's some moments right there that really kind of catch you, and uh, and and when they do, they just <laughs> just put more blood and more explosions and more craziness to it. Um, so my, my sales pitch here, if you have not seen this movie is, uh, stop what you're doing, go get some microwave popcorn, pop it up, get yourself some root beer, toss this on and have fun for the next like two hours because it is so much fun. It is a comic book movie. So, uh, let your fantasies be real and, um, have fun. Super, super fun movie. Super great. I, I, and when we rated it, I gave it 91 polka dots, I think because of the polka dot mm-hmm. man. And uh, my three word review for it was picturesque, gory madness. It just explains the movie. So yeah, it's it's a good choice. I, I mean, it, it's for whatever reason. I just don't. I I didn't even think of putting it in my top ten. Right? It just is like a weird mental block for me. I think if it came from right. a picture book, I just my mind is broken. So I don't know if that'll ever change. <laughs> but the movie's fun as hell. Uh, I Spider Man. Was a very exciting movie this year, right? With all the you know Spider yeah. Men showing up, but I think if I'm going for a rewatch, I'm probably grabbing Suicide Squad before anything else. If we're talking comic book movies, so I, I ton of fun. I would totally that's recommend huge. That. That's huge for the um, Suicide Squad Academy. There, they're <laughs> so happy they just heard that. <laughs> so they just started standing up, and cheering, and everything. Yeah, they're so excited. They're so excited. That's so good. All right, I love it. Okay, so I'm going to hop into my uh, number 10 here. This is going to be, uh, I it, and I apologize already because I feel like this movie's became annoying, but I swear I like it. Um, so the movies don't look up. What Dr. Mindy is trying to say wow. is that there's a comet headed directly towards Earth. And then what happens, like a tidal wave? It will be far more catastrophic. There will, there will be mile-high tsunamis. So how certain is this? There's 100%. Certainty of impact. Please don't say 100%. So we just call it a potentially significant event. But it isn't potentially going to happen. 99.78% to be exact. Oh, great. Okay, so it's not 100%. I'm going to call it 70% and let's just, let's move on. But it's not even close to 70%. Let's just use like 60% as a working number. Okay, we're going to get our own scientists on this, you know, no offense. Dr. Mindy is a tenured professor of astronomy at Michigan State. I'm sorry, did you say Michigan State? Exactly, they have an excellent astronomy department. You say so. You want to see my SAT score? I'm sorry. Who is she? Are you her son? I'm chief of staff boy with the dragon tattoo, so I'm doing fine. How many tampons can you put in that bag? As many as I'd want. Uh, This is written and directed by Adam McKay, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, uh, with many others. This is Netflix's, like, big movie of the year. 
next to Red Notice with Ryan Reynolds and The Rock, right? So the synopsis here is two low-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. Uh, Now, the reason I'm apologizing is because anyone that's been excited about movies has been excited for this movie. This is... It's got you know Jennifer Lawrence, Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill. It's got Adam McKay who did The Big Short and did Vice, which were two kind of like biting satires, and you know has also done Step Brothers and Anchorman and the other guys and things like that. So he's well respected in comedy. People wanted to work with him. People like the script. Everyone's excited to make this, and then it comes out. It comes out in theaters. I went and saw it in theaters a couple weeks before it came out on Netflix because I was stoked to watch it. I just can't, you know, you, Leo's in a movie, like I'm ready. And, oh, yeah. you know, but the reviews were not great. I think when I went, the reviews were probably like in the 70s, like mid 70s, which is, you know, okay. Damn. You know, you never know. Like how for a Leo movie, it's a little low, but, you know, hey, yeah. Movie's a movie, you know, people it's in the 70s, so be it. And when the movie came out on Netflix, the discourse got a little toxic. Uh, people either really seem to like it or really didn't like it. Um, part of that discourse, I think, is Adam McKay's fault. The director, he tweeted something to the effect of, like, if you're not concerned about climate change or you don't think it's, like, a problem, then this movie wouldn't work for you. So I get that. And, so, like, because you don't see there's a problem, so it's just not effective satire, right? And a lot of people, I think, who didn't like the movie... Took that as like a, oh, you think I'm too dumb to understand? Like, screw you, your movie just sucks. And it kind of got worse from there. Look, just bury your head in the sand. Forget all about all that negativity. The movie's funny. It's a, I mean, it's a satire about climate change and the way the government deals with stuff. And um, this movie was written pre-COVID. They were going to make it. And then COVID hit, which is going to be a theme with a lot of these movies that came out this year. And as things started happening in the real world with COVID... Adam McKay said he had to kind of like rewrite the script to make it more ridiculous because the things that were happening in the real world, like don't look up would have just seemed like a documentary at that point because of the way our leadership at the time was responding to COVID and things that were going on. So that made the movie a little more ridiculous. And maybe those situations, uh, you know, lend itself to a movie that was a little goofier for some. Uh, But I think that it plays. I think it's funny, man. I do. I think you know Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence give great performances. I think Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill are absolutely hilarious as like a mother son. She's playing the president. He's the chief of staff. They're so funny. Uh, Mark Rylance is like an amalgamation of uh, Jeff Bezos, like Elon Musk, Bill Gates. Oh yeah, all them. He's hilarious. Uh, Kid Cudi, Ariana Grande. They, there's like a new song with them. You know, it's a comet song about the world ending. But hey, it's there. Uh, and <laughs> Tyler Perry, Kate Blanchett, like they're doing like a little morning show thing, and it's it, it's all funny. Like when I think back to all these scenes, it's all hilarious. And there's at least two moments where Leonardo DiCaprio absolutely loses his mind just yelling at the camera. I think oh, just yeah. for those moments alone, the movie's worth watching. And yeah, I just you know, there's even there's certain moments in this movie that seem ridiculous on the surface, but then you kind of think about our system. And if you think that there's any kind of absurdity in our system whatsoever, I feel like this movie will play for you. I like the movie. I thought it was funny. I think I might actually have it higher than 10, but I think I put it at 10 just to talk about it and get it out of the way because I feel like people already have like a preconceived notion about it. And um, so if you've been waiting to watch it, you haven't watched it, but you think it's like annoying or you think it's over, it's really not that like intense of like a indictment too at the same time i really think it's just kind of funny and it's dumb and 
I don't know. I think it's an enjoyable movie. So that's my number 10. Don't let go. Let's go. Yeah, dude. I remember being pissed off the first time I watched it. And then <laughs> I rewatched it. And it's just because of how real it is. <laughs> like, I was just pissed off at society. Like, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're so fucking stupid. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's it's it, it, it grew on me big time second watch. Mm. And uh, and it, it is a great movie. I I think I rated it when I watched it. I gave it like eighty seven and yeah. pretty high, strong score. Um, it, it, it's a good film. It, it just didn't make my top ten. Um, and I I, I gave it a solid recommendation too. Definitely check it out. Definitely check it out. And I'm so pissed. I didn't watch it in the movie theater just like to say that. You know? <laughs> well, like, so I was really fuck. surprised by <laughs> how like intense the discourse got about the movie afterwards. Yeah, I, I wouldn't consider myself too like radical politically in general, so maybe that's why. Yeah. But I watched the movie and I was like, Haha, "That was pretty funny. <laughs> that's crazy, right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Gosh, people are so dumb. The government's so stupid and corrupt. And I do think that. So I guess if you don't think that, then maybe." It wouldn't, and not to not to gaslight anyone who didn't like the movie. To be clear, if you don't like it, so be it. There, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. But hey, I thought the shit was funny, man. All right, but uh, what's your number nine, man, man? Uh, yeah, I got you. I'm gonna hit you with uh, a movie that we saw back in June. <laughs> it was a while ago, um, but I'm happy it still made my list because I feel like I've got a recency bias with a lot of these movies and. Um, I had mm. to kind of remind myself like where I was at like you know six months ago <laughs> and you know, what, what I watched. Yeah, dude. Um, number nine, I'm gonna hit you with no sudden move. So what's the score? We're sending a man that works in an office to pick something up. You are part of a babysitting team watching his family while he does it. Good morning. Everything is normal. Except what do you want? Is that something you'd say? Normal Monday? Um, I, uh, scored it when we watched it, 91 masks, uh, and my, uh, three word review for it was wide eyed crime because, uh, mm. it is man, freaking Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> he just freaking knows how to handle this ensemble cast. It's, it's hitters, bro. You got freaking, uh, Benicio del Toro. Uh, you got freaking, um, Don Cheadle, uh, David Harbour, John Hamm, Brendan Fraser, Karen Culkin, Noah Jupe, our guy. Mm. Um, is a bunch of people. So many times you see movies with a bunch of studs and they just like fail. It just sucks. They don't yeah. do a good job directing. And, uh, maybe the actors themselves, uh, weren't set up for success with their acting and it just doesn't work out well. This one, uh, does. Um, and, uh, it's surprising too, because the writer is, uh, his name is Ed Solomon and he wrote men in black. And uh, Men in Black is like kind of goofy. <laughs> I, I was looking at the other stuff mm. he wrote, and it just kind of didn't match up for this. But it, I, I'm just going to go off of just Steven Soderbergh. He just knows how like to get what he wants, and and uh, um, yeah, really knows how to portray his vision. Really put it out there, and uh, and and he does it well. Um, the plot is a group of criminals are brought together under mysterious circumstances and have to work together to uncover what's really going on uh, when their simple job goes completely sideways. Um, it's like 1950s Detroit, what I said. You you feel it in the mm. movie. It's dark. It's cold. Um, and there's crime. And you don't know what's going on. It, it's it's uh, It's... It's the best when you watch a crime movie and you're like, oh shit, what what's what's going on here? What happened? Who's backstabbing who? Uh, who's the real villain here? What's gonna happen next? You're on your toes, uh, and uh, and and it's a wild ride. It's it's a it's a great fun movie. Um, 
It, it could get a little intense. Kieran Culkin's a freaking firecracker in this movie. He's oh, wild, love dude. It. Love yeah, it. Yeah, and there's a little renaissance, Kieran Culkin, you know, and um, and so this movie does a good job kind of portraying uh, how uh, loony uh, he can be. Um, but uh, but no, I, I thought it was a great, enjoyable film. My pitch to you is um, if you want to watch a kind of a intense comedy, drama, crime film, uh, with a bunch of dudes acting their asses off, uh, with a wide-eyed fish eye lens of feel to it. Go ahead, check it out, watch it. Put your big jacket on. Pretend like you're in Detroit. Pretend like you're a mobster, <laughs> a gang guy, whatever you want to do, um, and enjoy yourself. No, I, no look up. No, I mean uh, no, no look up. Jeez. no sudden no move was, uh, <laughs> was definitely on my list uh, literally this morning. So I had it there. The only thing I would say differently, and this is like such a, this is like a, like a wording thing is you're yeah. saying a bunch of people acting their asses off. I I would almost like now they're, they're, they're great and effective, but it's almost yeah. in this weird way where it seems like they're not trying at all, but they're awesome. Like, so it's, yeah, it's so good. Like it, it is they're, really good. They're not, it's not bad or like, it doesn't look phoned yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look lazy, but it seems effortless. And I'm not sure what it is about that movie, or how, <laughs> but it's crazy how it all came together. It's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and no one's like ex- the only extra person is like Kieran Culkin, like he's out of control. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, everyone else is kind of just handling it. <laughs> yeah. No one's like super loud, like uh, and uh, and yeah, I think that's that is a good analysis. It, it just worked out perfectly. It just worked out perfectly. Mm-hmm. See, Soderbergh, he knew what was going on. I think it was like COVID times too, so he just had that on lockdown. I think I made a joke that he was building a little city and just making sure like. You know, everything was in control and he was like the mayor, but <laughs> yeah. um, it, it really shows in his direction and in the performance of the actors. Um, super good movie. Love it. And an all-time cameo, all-time cameo that I'm not going to spoil, but just oh, shit. worth watching. Yes. Yes. I've t- I totally, <laughs> if you know Soderbergh, you know what's up, but uh, solid cameo, solid cameo. You're right. I totally forgot about that. Oh, hey, I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, so number nine for me. It's going to be A Quiet Place Part 2. Can I ask you a question? About the flame. After night, did you know it was him? Yes. Did you ever think to come for us? No. The people that are left. What they've become. You don't know, do you? So this is the second of the movies that I saw in theaters after Don't Look Up. Uh, this is written and directed by John Krasinski, starring Emily Blunt, uh, Millicent Simmons, Cillian Murphy, and Noah Jupe. Again, Noah Jupe. There you go. I also I did not like. I don't like Noah Jupe. By the way, he just seems to annoy me in what every the character. Fuck? Maybe I don't. It's not that I don't like Noah Jupe. It's that people are like, hey, we have this like uh, annoying. So we have this like kid who's super <laughs> annoying and makes bad decisions. He has to be like twelve to fourteen. And they're like, hey, we got this Noah Jupe kid. Uh, we'll just hire him for every role that fits that description. So it's he ages yeah. out, bro. Come on. Yeah. It's not that I don't hate him. I know I don't hate him. I'm always I'm willing to give him a chance. Maybe he could be like the lead in a rom com or something. Like it'll be good. I just man, the jupe factor. I, I can't stand him. <laughs> I, I hate him so much. But it's not his. He's fault. like in our Mount Rushmore of like actors we love, bro. No, he's he's, no, no, no. He's wa- wildly hated. Yeah, Brandon Fraser, Noah Jupe, you got no, Timothy he's... Chalamet. No, no, and, I got uh, I'm, Chris Harrison. I'm a, <laughs> Chris Harrison's up there. <laughs> Brandon Fraser's up there. Um, what's my man from? Uh, 
<laughs> oh, a Coleman Domingo? Is it Coleman uh, Domingo? Coleman Domingo. Oh, no. for sure. Coleman Domingo. Is there. 100%. <laughs> and then uh, what's the, the guy from uh, season four, episode one? What's his name? Oh, Jesse Plemons, Jesse the Plem Dog. Yeah, the Plem Dog. Yeah, Plem Dog's up there for sure. Those, that's like the Mount Rushmore. I think Chris yeah. Harrison, and we might have to retire him because it's a little. <laughs> he's, we got to talk awful. about that. You know, I'm not standing <laughs> by that 100%. But yeah, Chris Harrison, <laughs> Brendan Fraser, Coleman Domingo, Jesse yeah, Clemens. Yeah. What a that's that's a sight to see right there. That's a man. That's a Mount Rushmore. Dog. Oh yeah, that's, I need that on a T-shirt. Maybe no you could be like the Statue of Liberty or something. I, I like that. <laughs> well, no. uh, but yeah, Quiet Place Part 2. Uh, the synopsis here is um, just right after Quiet Place Part 1. That's pretty much it. So if you didn't see that, you know, there's aliens. And if they hear you, they'll kill you. So you have to be really quiet. It's pretty much the synopsis of the movie. Very effective thriller. Very effective uh, horror movie. And... Part of this maybe uh like the environment, the time when I watched it, you know, this came out in May. Movies had just kind of reopened in March of this year. Uh some movies had come out, but nothing that really blew me away. This is the first movie I watched in theaters in Adobe that like reminded me like movies are awesome. Dude. Like this is yeah. this is it. Not that I needed to be reminded, but it just worked for me. Everything about it worked for me. I think when we when I rated it on the pod, I gave it a 91. Like, it was super high. You were like, bro, like, it was one of the rare times I gave a higher score than you did. I oh, yeah. loved, 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 loved this movie experience. So, I mean, that, that's my pitch. You know, if you like the first one, you're going to like this one. Um, this is, if, that, if there's a dig on this movie, it's that it doesn't do enough. Like, it doesn't expand the world enough, or it doesn't take enough risks. There's an argument that there's not even a third act to this movie, which is fair. But it's it's just more of the same of the first one. And again, I could see a lot of people giving that as a knock, but I really like the first one, and I really like this one, too. And... Uh, I Emily Blunt's awesome. So let's put Emily Blunt in everything. I'm on that train 100%. Like, if there's a female yes. lead, why not just make it Emily Blunt? Uh, Millicent Simmons, who plays the daughter, is terrific. And John Krasinski is always singing her praises. She's so good in this movie. And the way they, they you know, use the sound editing and play with her, um, like, you know, her being able to hear and not hear because she's deaf, uh, oh, yeah. the, the actress and the character. There was a moment too. John Krasinski. He was in an interview talking about how um, when the camera goes in on her face during the movie, you go into like her her world where you know all of a sudden there's no sound and it's just kind of silent, which is super risky to do in theaters too because people get loud, obnoxious, and they're eating. And he said when he did that the first time, uh, her mother was watching the movie and just started crying because like she was like for the first time I know what it's like to. You know, from her perspective, like you, you were, you gave me that opportunity to see things from her perspective. So just beautiful stuff. And I, you know, the the last thing I'll say about this movie kind of not taking enough chances, this John Krasinski did not want to make this, you know, he was like, look, the first one's good. Why mess with a good thing? And uh, the studio asked him to, they asked him to, they wanted him to be involved. He said, no, find someone else to do it. And then he started kind of writing an outline, and they were like, "Look, if you can, if you have an idea, write an outline, and we'll give that to the next director." And then he started writing the outline. He's like, "Damn it! All right, I wrote a movie. All right, whatever, I'll do it." So <laughs> he kind of <laughs> fell in love with it uh, all over again. And yeah, you know, so I think part of that is him not wanting to mess it up, maybe not taking too many risks. But I, there's no way you're not going to have fun watching this movie. I dare you to not have fun watching this movie. Like it's so much fun. 
it's it's man stressful don't eat nachos don't eat loud things uh because <laughs> it's the sound mixing in that movie it's like they do a good job like yeah. it, it gets quiet you don't want to oh, make yeah. a noise um uh but uh yeah super uh entertaining uh movie for sure dean and and it's crazy too as a as a part two as a sequel sometimes uh you know it takes a notch down but uh this one i think continued that same momentum and energy as like the first one yeah definitely definitely and it's available on paramount plus boom um so i'm gonna go with a movie we haven't talked about for my number eight uh, it's a movie that I cared a ton about. I think I recommended it to a lot of people. Um, super awkward, some very like graphic scenes in the movie, and so I think I recommended it to Ooh. you, and you recommended it to someone, and then like plot twist, like you found out about oh, the scene. I know what you're life. talking about. Yeah, you're they, like, yikes. They were like, bro, the that. movie was good, but what the hell? I was like, sorry, I didn't know. I'm excited like to watch montage, it. Montage, a montage of let's just say bananas, a bunch of bananas. Um. Number eight, I'm going to go with Zola. I got you something. Ah. Hey, 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 look inside. What's this for? Respect. So I can go home now? Nah. <laughs> I'm going to need you to do what you did last night. I appreciate your confidence in me, but I came to dance. Oh, no, 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 no. We're done with that. <laughs> uh zola uh the movie uh <laughs> it's uh shout out coleman domingo <laughs> shout out coleman domingo yeah he's in it um the plot is a stripper named zola embarks on a wild road trip to florida that's it that's um that's all she does uh super zany crazy trip uh down to florida and uh it's it's based i don't know if you know what it's based on but it was a freaking um Twitter thread that mm-hmm. uh, went just viral on Twitter uh, by uh, Azia Zola King and the Rolling Stones just published it and it's out of control. It is like, man, find the Twitter thread. <laughs> it's out of control. It's yeah. it's just like craziness after craziness after craziness. But pretty much Zola, she like befriends this um, stripper friend who's super kind of shady, but like super fun. And um, Riley Q, she uh, plays her in the movie and she's like, got this like, like black scent. You know, have you heard that phrase? It's like a black accent. So she's like super like, just annoying human being like you just hate who this person is and that's the idea like you want to get pissed off at this person and how like problematic this person is how fake she is and how trifling she is and um and and the movie is just kind of a wild trip it's 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 a wild trip while things are happening uh i can't even say the wild stuff because it's just wild there's like Dealings with prostitution, dealings with like gang killings. Come Domingo's like a pimp or a friend, you don't know. And poor Nicholas Braun's in there, and he's like the boyfriend to like the Riley Keough character. And my boy is just hurting. Yeah, he's <laughs> on the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, he's so tall too. You just feel so bad for him. He's the biggest heart. Um, but uh, but it's out of control. It's like bashing crazy. This movie is um, nuts. My uh, three word review for the movie is never trust hoes, and uh, I'm giving it 91 tweets. And um, <laughs> go go watch it, dude. Go watch it. It's it's out of control. It's so like 
crazy it's so nutty and but please please for the love of god like don't watch it with kids around don't if you're gonna do the madman moan special and like you know treat your mom to a movie and maybe choose a different one maybe don't choose this one maybe watch this one with your boys or if you're a girl listening watch it with your girls or you know boys and girls whatever just watch it with people that are you know maybe around our age because it's pretty graphic. You see some scenes, um, but uh, it's a super fun, enjoyable film with uh, awesome uh, yeah. acting. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of graphic male nudity. I mean, that's just for sure what it is. Bananas, brother. A lot of bananas. Yeah, there's a, a big banana fan. There's a, uh, a montage of male <laughs> montage. Nudity. It's rough. Of just, there's some, yeah, I can describe them because they're indescribable. It's intense. Uh, but shout out Taylor Page. My bad. I, I forgot to shout her out. She handles it as Zola. She does a, such a great job. I, I I didn't really know who she was. I know she's in a few uh, other films. I think she was in Moraney's Black Bottom and White Boy Rick. But she freaking handles it. She does such a good job. You root for her. And you're, like, stressed out for her. You're, like, in her shoes. And you're, like, what the fuck is going on, dude? Like, Florida stripping is intense. Like, this yeah. is weird. And staying in a motel? Like, fuck, man. I would never want to stay in a motel. Screw that, dude. I'll sleep in my car. Like, motels are <laughs> shady, bro. You don't know what the hell's going on there. So, intense movie. Zola. Check it out. A24 hitter, dude. Zola is a ton of fun. You know, there's there's a movie that's relatively similar that's going to come up later on my list. Also, ironically, with a ton of uh, male nudity. But okay. uh, <laughs> the, I kind of put them in the same realm. And, you know, I have my reasons for picking the other. But uh, Zola was, I mean, it's a wild ride. There's no other way around it. And... Coleman Domingo is like the shit in this movie. He's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he goes back and forth with this accent that I just love. He's so intimidating. Like he is so intense and it really shows. I know we've been preaching about Coleman Domingo, like him as an actor and and the work that he's done. He does a freaking solid job in this movie. Like I, I hope he gets nominated for like best supporting actor or something because he kills it. He does a really good job. This this movie is going to get like forgotten, I think. I don't even think the Academy is going to give it a lot of love, maybe. But um, Coleman Domingo, man, just watch it on his performance alone. You're, you're absolutely correct, Dubs. He's freaking intense. He's, he's so yeah. good. He's awesome. No, movie, movies are a ton of fun. Well, I well you know, and I mean, I'll keep saying this. I'm not going to stop saying it. But every movie on your list that I've seen, I, I pretty much uh, really enjoy. So, well, actually, except for one. But we can talk about it. Um. All right, and then, uh, <laughs> so let's see. So let's go to my number eight here. Uh, if you saw my list earlier, I did move some stuff around. So my number eight here is going to be CODA, which is an uh, acronym for Child of Deaf Adults. Re- remember the little dog, big dog exercise? Okay, little dog. Do it! Come on! Push, 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 push. Medium dog. Big dog. You're embarrassed? Really? Everyone. Little dog, big dog. Come on. And. Pants. Pants. As written and directed by Sean Heater, based on a French movie called La Famille Bellier. Uh, so I, I think I think that's how Scusi. it is. Um, starring Amelia Jones, Marley Matlin, Troy Coetzer, uh, Daniel Durant, and Eugenio Derbez. I try to oh say as best I can. Um, and uh, the synopsis here is: As a coda, child of deaf adults, Ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family. When the family's fishing business is threatened, Ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her love of music and her fear of abandoning her parents. 
this movie is one of those things that it just it's it's a tearjerker. Uh, it gets you there, and it's probably the most formulaic movie on my list. You know, I'm not gonna lie about it. There's definitely this is a familiar story with a different dress on it, right? And, and so mm-hmm. the the context of the movie is this. You know, it, it's very interesting. They're they're this family, and they're they make their money fishing. But uh, Ruby, who's the youngest daughter, uh, her mom, dad, and brother are all deaf. Um, so they own this boat. They fish. They sell the fish. That's how their family makes money. But her brother and her dad can't hear, which leads to problems later in the movie when you know the Coast Guard's trying to call them and stuff and things like that. And so they really count on her to be like a be a staple for that family. Meanwhile, she has dreams of wanting to go sing. Which of course they really don't, you know, are like, well, you know, why, you know, why sing? Come help us here, and so it's a coming of age story. It's a really sweet story. It is a little formulaic, but this is probably the most accessible movie on my list. Like this is as far as if you're talking about a movie where you can just, you know, put it on, the whole family can watch it. You're gonna laugh. The movie's legitimately funny, um, and it's legitimately sad, and probably has one of the most like touching heartbreaking scenes like i i watched this year like there is there's one moment in this movie just one of those scenes where i was just like well this is just absolutely beautiful like this is gorgeous like i just couldn't get enough of it i totally bought in uh absolutely loved it so uh oh and uh Eugenio Derbez, he is her like music teacher and he's a ton of fun he kind of has like a he's very sassy very sassy guy and he's just in there handling business and <laughs> She's super shy, and he's he's a comic relief and kind of steals all the scenes he's in. Uh, this movie premiered at Sundance, uh, went on a huge bidding war. Netflix was trying to get it. Amazon Prime was trying to get it. Hulu was trying to get it. Um, Apple TV ended up paying $25 million for the rights to distribute it, which at the time was a record. Uh, you know, those records get broken all the time. But, yeah, Coda is available on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, check it out. It, it's it's a totally, it's totally inoffensive movie that I really feel like anyone can just pick up and enjoy. And I cannot say the same for almost every other movie on my list. So Coda is good. Check it out. Yeah. Just reading about it now, like they put a lot of work into making this like authentic and really making sure that they oh, got yeah. it like correct. And uh, I'm sure the cinematographer or just like the filming like location, right. It seems like they really handled it. And, um, I think uh, so. I, I'm reading that they wanted to have like at least like 40 percent of it in ASL. Is there a lot of ASL in the in the oh, film? There's a ton of ASL, and what's really cool about it is that there's a couple things that the directors actually talked about. Uh, one of those things was that one of the things that she heard from um, people, you know, pe- deaf people, was that in movies right. they do so many close-ups that even during like ASL scenes. Even if characters are talking to each other, directors get so caught up in other things that they'll literally cut off like the hands to like show other things or try and do a creative shot. And so right. they had a big effort in making sure that people you could see people's bodies, you could see people's hands. It sounds like a minimal thing, but apparently it's like a it's like a big deal for people huge, you know, in the yeah. community. And oh, yeah. uh, so they made a big uh, thing about that. And she also noted that some of the improv um, with the actors. Uh, who's who's use ASL to speak that it's just so good and so fun and it because you know she's like I write in English ASL is not English ASL is its own language and so there's certain ways that they express themselves where they were almost like improving in a way and so yeah. she she named a couple scenes that were just you know that 
are so funny in sign language that she would have never been able to express just writing it in English and that she was really just proud of the actors and excited for the way they they kind of went for it. And this movie is legitimately funny. Like the dad and the brother are wilding out. Like there's a lot of like, <laughs> you know, I don't know, just kind of well, almost gross talk really, but it, you know, it's great comedic relief. And there's a moment where they're like at the doctor and he's like telling the doctor he's like balls itch. And it's just, I don't know. They're like, you're going to have to abstain <laughs> from sex for two weeks. And he's like, I can't do it. You know, it's just, it's so funny. But uh, yeah, there's, there was a big emphasis for inclusion here, and uh, I mean, obviously, the three main characters are actually deaf, you know. And then the uh, the main character who uh, played Ruby, she spent like nine months training, learning how to yeah. fish, yeah. <laughs> do ASL, and uh, and sing. So she just picked it Jeez. all up. I could barely do a freaking <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like uh watch movies like just on time. But there was there was a ton of ASL and it was uh I mean it was a really touching movie, you know, like coming of age for sure. And the other thing she talked about was like this is a coming of age movie for all the characters, right? It's not just for the young one, it's everyone is kind of growing in their own way. And everyone, you know, everyone grows. It is it is a little formulaic. I I'm gonna say it again. It is a little formulaic, but it's a sweet movie. That's dope, man. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. rare. Um, these movies are being made, and but whenever they do, they're, they're just so awesome. And now I have a little treat, you know, for myself that I could uh, go ahead and 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 watch it on my own time and yeah. discover it and on my own. And it it doesn't have to be a top ten movie. Um, if if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. You know? Yeah. Oh, you'll like it for sure. I'll put on my le- on my letterbox. I'll uh, tell the world. <laughs> hey, yeah. If you guys are uh, on letterbox, hit me up. I'm trying to. <laughs> I love letterbox. I've been letterboxing my ass off. I'm yeah, letterbox for life. <laughs> guess uh, uh, guess listener uh, Dougie. He uh, he spent like he sent me a picture of like just 600 movies that he just like rated one night. <laughs> I don't know what was going on in his life, but he was very committed. He wanted to let the world know. Yeah, he uh, felt about certain movies. Um, very passionate about my diary. Sometimes I watch a movie just to tell the world I watched a movie. It's like the toxicness of like Facebook or Instagram, like planning events, putting your story, trying to get people jealous. But I'm doing something I love at the same time. So like, who who am I really hurting? You know, I don't know. Hell yeah! In Letterbox, can you do like a top eight friends or like something like that? Well, I don't know about friends, but you put your top four movies, and those are Oof. those are big representation of who you are. Shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I make one for my dad and see what his top four is. Yikes. A lot of a lot of Arnold, a <laughs> lot of Steven Seagal in there, I'm assuming. <laughs> oh yeah. And then like randomly like 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 kiss or something like freaking hey, James whatever. Brown, like <laughs> documentary or something. Like whatever some works. random shit. Um, so you're talking about formulaic. I'm going with a movie that's <laughs> a little bit like predictable on the nose. Um, but still like super solid movie. It's my number seven. And um, we do this a lot. A, a trailer comes out, we watch it and we talk about how excited we are to watch it. And then sometimes we watch the movie, mm. sometimes we don't, you know, it's, it's just like, Oh, the trailer was cool though. I really liked it. And so when this trailer dropped, we were both like, man, this movie looks intense. Like, I don't know what's going on here. I'm down to check it out. And I took myself up on that. I, I, I hold my, myself true. And I was like, man, 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 you said you were going to watch this movie. You got to watch it into theaters. I freaking did nightmare. Alley made my number seven. Um, mm. It is Guillermo del Toro just handling it. Him and uh, this guy, Kim Morgan, they wrote it. 
And uh, the the plot here is an ambitious carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. And um, this movie is intense. dude. It's, it's Bradley Cooper, which we all know and love, but you've got like random people like Willem Dafoe. He's in it. You got freaking um, uh, Ron Perlman, who I found out like, loved this movie like this this is a movie and i guess it's based like on a story and stuff but it, there's already a version of this it's just an older version and ron perlman like watched this like as a kid just growing up was like tripping out on it you know life happens he teams up with Gilmore del toro and he's like yo gilmore like i think i think you could make this movie dude and Gilmore del toro's like all right for sure i'm gonna put in my books and like 10 years go by you know they're doing hellboy like you know life happens so you know what like we're gonna do the movie now like, we're just gonna do it <laughs> and uh, he casts you know ron perlman as like a strong man he's just a carny dude but it, it, it's kind of beautiful how that kind of happens you know you kind of tell someone about something and the next thing you know they're freaking making it and you've yeah. got uh tony tony collette in there in the cut rudy mara you remember rudy mara she was in freaking uh i mean she's oh, like yeah. in everything but Our yeah she, she's in yeah, she's in the movie too, and I was surprised. I feel like I hadn't seen her in a bit, so I was like, "Oh, dude, this is kind of cool." And she hooks up with like Bradley Cooper. They're like hooking up. Bradley Cooper's a nobody, by the way. He just shows up on this carnival. He just hops off of a bus, walks into this carnival, doesn't say shit. He's looking at this geek, uh, and geeks are just like these like freaking bums, or they're just creatures. They're weird. They always make up car- carnivals are intense, man. You got like a bigger toe, and they'll call you like the freaking dinosaur man or some shit. Yeah. So if you're just a bum that's like just <laughs> into alcoholism, they'll make you a geek. They'll just throw you in the pen and just have you eat chickens, bro. And so he's like, "What the fuck is going on?" You're like someone's doing that, and they're like, "Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you know, earn your keep here, and you gotta do what you gotta do." And and Bradley Cooper's like, "I could fucking handle this," and so he becomes like a mind reader guy. He hooks up with um, Tony Collette, and then hooks up with Rooney Mara, and he's out there just scheming, bro, just handling life, just taking advantage of people. Just you see him turn into this man who is smarter than ev- than anyone else, right? Or or so you see. Um, and then things get problematic as things do, right? You start getting a lot more pep in your step, a lot more uh, confidence, and uh, you, you can lose yourself a little bit. And you kind of see uh, the struggles of that. Uh, amazing cast. Bradley Cooper handles it. It is a little predictable. Like, the story is a little predictable. When you watch it, when it ends, I was like, holy shit, laughing. Because I was like, fuck, dude. This, this movie, like, I kind of knew this was going to happen, and it did. And it was so satisfying to kind of watch it play out. Um, but that doesn't take it away from it being, like, not a good movie. It's super good. Um, it might be a tad too long. Maybe, like, 30 minutes could have been cut. And I, I think the movie would have played out better black and white. But um, it, it it's not in black and white. I think Guillermo del Toro is working on a cut that's black and white that I think will make it a much more enjoyable experience. And I just enjoyed it, man. I I, I gave it 91 geeks, and my uh, freaking um, three-word review is uh, earn, earn your keep. And that's it. <laughs> I like earn it. Earn your keep, brother. I like it. And I part of okay, so I feel like the way you introed this movie – uh, feels like a direct attack on me for not seeing it. Um, so I'm just saying that. That's oh, just, you didn't see it? Oh, no, I didn't see it. Uh, oh, I thought you did, brother. My bad. Uh, I didn't mean to come at you. That's all right. No, it's cool. I'm not coming at you, though. You were like, hey, you know, look, sometimes we see trailers. We get excited. We're like, what's this about? Uh, <laughs> it was more know, an attack on me, bro, because like, I was. <laughs> I chose. I, I found the strength inside myself. 
I stayed true to me, <laughs> true to who I am, and I watched that movie. I took the time to watch it in theaters. Like, like not, not like fucking dubs over here. Um, <laughs> hey, what a fucking bitch. Now, I, did, yeah. I missed it. I'm excited <laughs> to watch it, though. It's definitely on the list. I went on vacation right at the beginning of the new year. Yeah. And when I came back from vacation, I was like, look, this is, you know, in COVID, too. You know, I had a little bout. We both had COVID, you know, medical spoilers. Um, And uh, I was like, <laughs> so I went out. I was like, all right, I'm ready to take on the world. Like, Nightmare Alley, where are you at? And I was looking for it. And it just wasn't playing anywhere near me anymore. Yeah, dude. And, uh, it, it, yeah. it came in and came out real quick, bro. Yeah. I mean, I also lagged on it. And there's, there's a couple movies in my top 10 that I lagged on, watched them later. And I was like, well, I, I messed up on that one. Uh, but yeah, no Nightmare Alley. It's definitely on the list. I think it comes out on VOD like in February, and it's, oh, okay. I'm hopping on that ASAP. Yeah, bro, dude. My recommendation: don't read nothing about it. Just watch it when it comes out. Done. Like, just, just like watch it. Don't read about the old one. There were some changes, and the changes made it for a better movie. We could talk about the changes once you watch it. But um, Guillermo del Toro definitely had a vision here. Definitely make the right decisions to um, make it a lasting uh, film. Uh, when the movie ended, I'm telling you, I was tripping out. Um, but that's a huge shout out to Bradley Cooper's acting. We all know he's a freaking actor, right? And he's one of my favorite. He just kills it. You know, this this guy was like an inside the actor studio, like in the audience asking questions. This guy <laughs> yeah. studied, studied. You know, this guy wanted to be an actor, dude. And he handles the shit in this movie. He he carries it so well, and and you just see his his whole arc. And it's just a beauty, bro. The way it ends, Jesus Christ! I jaw drops. Like I'm just like in like shock. Like it, it just, man, so so good film. Well, you know, and this kind of fell into this category for me of like same thing with last night in Soho, where I was like, oh, that looks good, uh, but I don't really understand. And you know what? I'm not sure if I want to take my time to go watch it. And so I didn't. And then when I finally watched last night in Soho, it's not on my list, but I, I really enjoyed it a lot. And so I think. Keeping the expectations low for Nightmare Alley is going to be in its best. Uh, for me, it's going to be the best thing I can do. So I'm excited, yeah, and, but and, and um, for the audience, but measured. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, don't get excited about these top tens, guys. These are all shitty movies. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and also, probably not the best performance Bradley Cooper has this year. But we can talk about that a little more later. Uh, what? <laughs> whoa. So let's see. My number seven is going to be the harder they fall. Man, go give me a drink. <clears throat> Hey, at the quick draw here, tell about Cherokee Bill. Hey, I hear you so fast that your opponents ain't got time to draw before you put two in their back. No, that ain't me. No, I'm the Cherokee Bill that shoots men in the mouth that talk too much. <laughs> I make it easy for you then. You draw first. <laughs> yeah, what you think this is? Who the quickest draw on the West type thing? All comes down to who fast and who ain't, right? Oh, it all comes down to who's alive and who's dead. Trudy, I'm gonna go get me something to drink. Good night. Hey, hey, drink my ass, man. I practiced that stand off all night. Jim. Hey, you're not just about to walk away from all disrespect with all the way away. Get out of here, Jim. So this is uh, written and directed by uh, James Samuel, uh, starring Jonathan Major, Zazie Beats. Regina King, Idris Elba, Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, synopsis here is when an outlaw discovers his enemy is being released from prison, he reunites with his gang to seek revenge. 
ah, oh, this is another movie. I, I waited on this one. It came out, and I was like, eh, okay, for sure. Uh, and then the movie started, and it started with a bang. It lets you know right away, like, this is the kind of movie I am. We're talking about, like, crosses being carved in kids' heads, um, priests oh, yeah. getting shot up in a church. And intense even, and true. That's a, actually, that, all that made it sound like a lot more intense than even how it plays in the movie. So don't don't shy away because I just said that. It sounded like a horror movie or something. But it's <laughs> it's over the top. It's gory. It's in your face. And it's a ton of fun. Um, so I think the most notable thing about this movie is it's an all-black cast, right? Uh and it's it's a pretty it's a pretty standard Western story. There's a there's a bad guy who's getting released. Um, there's a kid whose parents were killed in front of him at the very beginning of the movie, and he wants to seek revenge. So he kind of wrangles together his gang, and they go to take out the other gang. And that's I mean that's the story, you know. And it's something that it's you know people have seen this before right revenge story things like that people have seen the westerns before um and so my pitch for this is just that you know first of all westerns are cool and one of the things they talked about in this is that all these people existed um oh, so yeah. when we talk about this being an all black cast it's it's something you don't really think about for that time period and Lakey Stanfield is just so cool. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of people in this movie that are awesome. Um, Zazie Beats also is really cool in this movie. Uh, Jonathan Majors as the lead is very cool. But there's something about Lakey Stanfield. He's playing a bad guy. Man, I just love this guy. But, um, you know, the the writer-director of this is James Samuel. And so one of the things that he did with this movie is he's actually like a, an, a music artist. And he goes by the name uh, The Bullets. And he's like a UK artist. And... He said that so much of this movie like revolved around music. You're gonna love this stuff, man, man. He said that so much of the movie like revolved around music that sometimes like he didn't even have a scene. He just had a song, and then he would like write from the song. So not only would the scene kind of be based around the song, and and he's even thinking about talking about like when certain beats hit. Like I'm doing certain camera movements. Like I'm imagining the camera movement with the music as it's going, oh, and damn. so. He was. He said that he was like a huge problem with movies right now is that they'll write the script and then hire someone to do the score as they're about to film it. Versus, he's like, you should hire the person to do the score as you're writing the script. He's like, it's that important. So, along with the writer director, he was also the composer for this movie. He wrote some songs for this movie, and because of that, this whole movie just kind of has like a swagger to it that it, it's hard to replicate, right? And Part of it is just the way that he engages with the music, the way the music kind of plays a role in the movie. It's a lot of fun. And um, I think for this one, he said to, you know, this is like, okay, so I would say this is a movie for Western fans easily. Uh, but one of the things that uh, the director said was that this is also a movie for people who might not think they're Western fans because Westerns have been like delivered to people in a very narrow view. Like it's, it's uh you know it's like we're the west we're cowboys um there's a lot of white people around you know you know women are secondary men run the west you know we shoot each other we take care of business westerns you know and so like he's like maybe you know let's put a movie out there now we got some black people in this movie he's like we have some female characters that are like like strong female characters that aren't just secondary they're not weak and it's not like an anomaly. It's not like, holy shit, look at this strong woman in this movie. Isn't she crazy? Like, no, it's just part of the movie. And I think it's a little, it's going to be more accessible for people who haven't been engaged with those stories. Uh, but I just think it's a ton of fun, you know? And uh, I read, too, that he also worked with Jay-Z on the score for The Great Gatsby. So Jay-Z and a Kid Cudi have a song on here. 
And they he said, like, we've been talking, and Jay-Z's been involved with the process oh, the whole damn. time, too. So this yeah, one's available yeah. on Netflix. Harder They Fall. This movie's a ton of fun. ton of fun. It's so good. It's it's action-packed. And, like, Idris Elba, <laughs> this guy is just a perfect baddie, dude. He just knows how to fucking Yeah, he's that. awesome. And uh, Sassy Beats is great. Jonathan Majors, like him, like being the lead here, like he's supposed to be a guy. Like you're gonna s- see a bright career, bright future from him, and this this just shows it. There, you know, I think he's Kang, right? They casted him as as Kang, and they want him in the MCU. And he, this guy is gonna be a guy. Like he's just yeah. gonna be a guy. And they found him. They did a good job. But you're completely 100% correct with Lakeith Stanfield. He steals every scene he does. And it's like Quentin Tarantino-ish. You're going to get like those comps. You're going to get like, oh, it's like Django. It, it, it's 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 not exactly like Django. Like It really isn't. Um, but um, it, def- it definitely has this like Quentin Tarantino feel to it, uh, except with just a better score. You know, well, you know, it's funny. The... Qu- the Quentin Tarantino comps uh, are going to come out, I think, because like the unapologetic violence and the fact that <laughs> super violent, yeah, like yeah. Um, that Quentin Tarantino like made a movie with a black character in the old west. Uh, but yeah, you know, one of the things the director was talking about was that um, although Django does have some similarities, like he's like he wanted to be specific that like none of these characters are slaves. You know, he's like Django is a yeah. movie about a slave who like turns cowboy. But he's still a slave. And he's like, so in this movie, uh, you know, and kind of the same way where we're talking about, like, there's strong women in this movie who oh, yeah. are just strong women. It's not like an anomaly that they're strong women. And so in the same way that there's just black characters in this movie and they're not like, hey, you freed slaves or, you know, no one uses the N word in the movie. Like he very specifically wanted to, to make it seem like not weird or not out of the ordinary that these people existed in this world. And so the jingle cops totally make sense. Uh, but you know, I just I was just listening to the director on a podcast, and you know, he was talking about how he very specifically wanted to make an inclusive movie um, that did not alienate these people. And so, you know, that's stuff that I don't really pick up on as I'm watching it. I'm just like, damn, this shit's cool. Uh, but afterwards, you know, it's really exciting to listen to the creator and kind of talk about that stuff. So, definitely recommend Netflix all day. Okay, uh, so you know, bring it back. Bring it back down to the Madman Moan list. Now we're getting to like the nitty gritty. Like these are like, mm. like these movies are fun. You know, like I mean, they're all great, but like, yeah, I'm getting a little like sentimental here, a little bit like oh. in my feels because these next okay. few movies are like pull the heartstrings. I think until I get to my like, like last two. Um, but number six, I have. Come on, come on. I'm just really sorry that. Your children died. Um, you know, I don't think I can do that part. Yeah, I, I told you that's how me and mom do it. If it makes sense for your mom to do that, that's cool. But it doesn't make sense for me. And that's what oh, I was explaining to you. Why does it make sense for you? It's, because it's ridiculous. Is it? It's sad. The question is, why do you want to do it? You are just terrible at this. Oh, man, I'm trying. Let me ask you a question. Why does everything have to be like this kind of weird, eccentric thing that you do? Yeah, but why not just do something normal? Like everything in your real life. What's normal? Okay, fine. Good point. Um, Let's go. Uh, Directed by Mike 
uh, Will made it. No, I'm just kidding. Mike Mills, uh, who directed <laughs> 20th Century Woman. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen it. It has a lot of accolades. Really great movie. Yeah. Uh, plot is a radio journalist embarks on a cross-country trip with his young nephew. Um, it's a Joaquin Phoenix hitter. What more do you need? It's in black and white. I don't know why uh, you know, movies I like. They're just in black and white, but it uh, it's it's super good, man. It's super wholesome, very wholesome movie, and it's pretty much you know Joaquin Phoenix. He's like us, you know. He's just handling life as best as he can. Sister hits him up like, "Hey, like I need you to take care of my nephew, uh, your nephew, my son, while um, I'm trying to handle this situation with my like husband, a strange husband, like." There's some stuff I got to handle. You got to take care of this kid. And he's like, all right. You know, and he does. And um, he doesn't really have the strongest relationship with uh, his nephew. But I, I, Joaquin Phoenix, you know, his character also doesn't have a strong uh, relationship with his own life. Like he is struggling. He is um, not sure what he is doing. He has an idea, right? He's a journalist. He's recording people talk, you know, recording kids talking about like what they think life's about, or, you know, just asking them all these questions, getting their perspective as children. Um, but he is struggling in his own life. He doesn't really know what to do. He doesn't really know where he's at. And, um, this nephew, um, really doesn't know what's going on in his life too. You know, his dad and mom is having issues. Like he's hanging out with his uncle, like what's kind of going on here. And so they're both kind of figuring life out together and you see them kind of grow with each other in each other's lives. And you see, um, this like wholesome experience that I feel is very like therapeutic. Um, and, and also, like inspiring, you know, for the people that maybe don't know how to handle emotions for the people that don't know if life's going to be okay. You know, we all get Mm -hmm. older. There's a lot of question marks in your life. What I'm doing, is it, is it correct? Is it right? Will it ever get better? There's all these unanswered questions, but it's uh, kind of uh, therapeutic and, and cool kind of going through that with someone else. And you see the age gap here, Joaquin Phoenix, he's an older man and his nephew is a child, but they're both kind of in this point in life where they're like trying to figure it out. And it's uh, super wholesome, super nice. I think if you just want a wholesome uh, movie, um, Watch this one. This one's really good. I, and it's 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 kind of hard to watch too. Uh, I wanted to watch it in the movie theater, and I didn't get a chance, so I I uh, watched it uh, at home, and it, it was just a great great uh, awesome experience. Um, my three word review is hipster big daddy because that's like all I got. I just, it felt like <laughs> it, and there's no way you could say it's not hipster. It's like black and white. You got Hawking Phoenix, who is a stud, and uh, he's a radio journalist. Like, yeah, like uh, this cross country trip. Like, come on, dude. Uh, 92 audio files is what I'm giving it. And, uh, and the ending, uh, is so good. I, I don't want to spoil it, but there's some great dialogue from Joaquin Phoenix. that I think anyone can apply in their life and probably needs it. So check it out. Copy that. Come on. Come on. I, uh, I watched a little bit of it, you know, I don't know. It was super, I don't know if it was my thing, (laughs) but I, I, you know, it's definitely, I will say this. I went back to it a couple times because, this is a movie that is so highly reviewed, like everywhere. And it seems like the even the, like it's like critics like it and the audience seems to like it. 
uh, IMDb is high, Letterbox is high. Like it's it's just everyone seems to like it. Uh, I mean, I haven't I haven't watched the whole thing yet, so I don't know. But yeah, uh, yeah. There's like yeah, there's like this man. There's there's some story in there too, and you kind of see why Joaquin Phoenix's character is the way he is. You you kind of see like how hard it is for him to deal with his feelings and his emotions and stuff. And, and, and you, know, you, you see the, the struggles the kids going through too. And uh, not everyone's life is perfect. And uh, you know, some, some about just trying to handle that and trying to fix each other's problems or, or just make each other feel better. It's just super wholesome. Really. It just makes for a great story. All right, so here, so my number six here is uh, going to be something that's a little bit in the theme of Zola. Uh, when I was thinking, it was almost like when I was thinking about this list, I was like, all right, I either got to do this one or Zola. Like, I don't know. I mean, I didn't have to pick one. I could just have two sex work movies in my top ten. Uh, but I chose this one. Uh, you know, this movie is Red Rocket. I don't want to be here, all right? This is embarrassing. Well, I don't want you, you think here I want to show up like this? I got my ass fucking kicked. I just need a place to crash. Why can't you what, be you're here? Not cra- like- what does it look like, a hotel? Really? It's like that? Can you get off the property, please? What, 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 why? What are you going to fucking do? Really? What, you're you gonna want- gonna, oh, really? you want me to call the act- cops? I'll call the cops. Don't, don't no, I'm calling the cops. Ten, oh. nine, eight, God. seven, faster. I'm technically off the property, so you can't call the cops because I'm on public land respecting your boundaries. Can you keep it down? Can you come over here so I don't have to project my voice, please? Fuck. Seriously, I just need a place to crash for a couple days. What's the big deal? Mikey, go fuck yourself. Oh, you don't even know what I've been through. Look at my fucking face. I just was on the bus for two days. I had to walk here from the bus station. Why don't you stay with your mama? My mom's in a nursing home in LaBarque, a care home. I can't sleep there. Mikey, what do you want? My God, what do just, you want? I just fucking told you. I just need to crash for a couple days. Uh, so this is written and directed by Sean Baker. This is starring uh, Simon Rex and Susanna Sun. And uh, Red Rocket, it's got that name from uh, because that's a nickname for dog's penis. So that's, that's kind of the tone for this movie. Uh, the synopsis here, Mikey Saber is a washed up porn star who returns to a small Texas hometown. Not that anyone really wants him back. Uh, so there's a couple things about this movie. Uh, one of those things that's very Sean Baker, right? In the sense that one yeah. of the interviews with him, uh, someone said something. Uh, they said that your characters live on economic margins. So it feels like with Sean Baker characters, you can literally feel every dollar that that character spends. And I feel like that really r- rings true here, just like with you know some of the other movies he's done. These these characters are not um, they're you know living in poverty. Uh, they're not doing well. It's paycheck to paycheck kind of stuff. Um, Simon Rex, you know, he comes back to Texas, and you, I, you know, I don't know how people are going to perceive this movie or how people will watch this movie. But right when he starts talking, the first like scene, I clocked him. You know, I'm like, oh, this guy, he's a bullshitter, like for sure. You know, he's just he's just a straight up bullshitter. That's what, how who he is. It's like a it's a type of person. Um, he just, you know, it's kind of very charismatic, can talk his way out of anything, but he, he, all he's doing is BS and everyone. Um, and you know, what's unique about this character is that he does not seem to be remotely aware that he is full of shit. So it's interesting. Yeah. Um, and he comes back into his, his, uh, his wife or ex-wife's life, or they've been separated, but not officially divorced, comes back into her life, starts staying there saying he's going to help out. Um, and then he meets, uh, now he's in his forties, by the way, older guy, 
meets a 17-year-old uh, girl named Strawberry, played by Susanna's son. And he was like, hey, she's like, he, he's like, she's hot, you know? And this is, um, so this, and there's a lot of politics about this movie, right? A lot of talk about this age gap and um, it is Texas. So I guess 17 is technically legal. It's very like Chris D'Elia territory, right? We'd have to ask him, but um, in the movie, <laughs> there's even a point where he's like, she's legal as an eagle or something like that. So he, but he essentially like starts grooming this girl to use her to bring back to LA and get back into the porn industry or like, you know, get big. And he's like, she's the next big thing. That's kind of the plot of this movie. So he's a dirtbag. And yeah, it feels weird to celebrate it. But Simon Rex, the guy playing Mikey Saber is just so good in this movie. He is, he's so good. And he plays the character like so sincerely that it almost feels like he's not acting. And the movie's crazy. The movie's out of control. And, uh, you know, we're talking about, like, don't watch this with kids around. Do not watch it with kids around. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a dirty movie. Well, it's not even, you know, there. I mean, there's sex There's sex scenes in Cold. a ton of movies. You know, there's definitely sex Cold scenes Red in this movie. But, I mean, yeah, there is, there's extended male frontal nudity in this movie for sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. But it's, it's a wild ride. And... You know, and this character who is uh, for sure a dirtbag and, you know, anyone watching it, I feel like is going to be like, yeah, this guy's a dirtbag. You still kind of are there on the ride with him. It's it's an interesting movie, but it feels real. And that's why I picked it over Zola, even though like plot twist like Zola is based on a true story. This one rang more true to me. Uh, Zola felt like a little embellished, you know, it's a movie. It's, you know, supposed to be fun. It's based on a Twitter thread. Like, don't take it so serious dubs. Right. But Uh, fabrication. Yeah. But but when I was looking at both of them, like red rocket feels like it happened in real life. It feels like it could be a documentary. Uh, and so, yeah, I just like the movie. Some of the cool stuff about it too, is that, um, you know, Sean Baker, two of like two Susanna son, the, the main girl who plays strawberry, um, and she's not 17 in real life. I guess she's like 25. Uh, he found her just on the street. Like she was walking in Hollywood and he was like, Hey, um, have you ever thought about acting? She's like, what? And then boom, two years later, she's in this movie. Um, it's her only like IMDB credit. And, uh, there's another character played, uh, who played June, like the drug dealer's daughter. Who's like kind of, mm-hmm. she's wild. And she gets into some stuff too, towards the end. And she's someone who, yeah, Sean Baker was just walking around like, Hey, I think you'd be good in my movie. Are you down? And she's like, uh, Sure. So she has one IMDb credit, and it's this movie. Simon Rex was picked to make this movie because uh, this dude knew that he could do it. He just knew for all all these years, he just knew that uh, Simon Rex can can be the star in this movie, and he does a good job. Kind of like I, I don't want to say shading away, but maybe even embracing who he is in his own life because Simon Rex is not a big time actor. He is not like your leo or brad pitt no not at all he is like semi almost like famous he's done so many things like he was like a rapper he's you know done comedy he's done some uh porn or some like nudity or he's oh. done something of that in, in that variation yeah. which one uh, i think it was like pictures or some shit oh, um okay. seven I'm rex yeah he's yeah, done 
asshole. <laughs> but 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 he uh his charisma takes over like he's so believable in this movie where he is getting those Oscar noms. Like he is like hey, he might win best actor because yeah. he does a really good job acting in this movie. Like it, this as a movie as as what it is, he does such a good job in it. And um <laughs> this one very easily could have been on my top 10. It was at one point. Um, but I was like, you know what? I, I kind of want to talk about these other movies. Um, it very easily could have took up that Zola's, uh spot because it's pretty much like similar, you know, similar vibes. Yeah. Um, but uh, but solid recommendation. I, I I watched it with one of my buddies as as a recommendation. I was like, hey, you want to watch this movie? They watched it with me, and they're like, bro, this movie was great. Like it's like up there. Like I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. I knew I knew it was gonna be good. So I, I'm so happy it's on your list. No, definitely. And it's uh, so this one right now is uh, still only in theaters. I believe it becomes available on VOD sometime in February. So we're almost there, but uh, not yet. But check it out, Red Rocket. It's definitely gonna make the rounds, and I feel like it's one of those movies too that. Just do the con. Same with Zola. Like Zola is one of those movies that is never gonna like thrive in theaters. But I think when people have the night off, they'll be like, "Yeah, let me throw the Zola movie on, see what's going on." So, um, yeah. yeah, Red Rocket uh, only theaters right now. Wild movie, Instincts, bye bye bye. I bought some merch for it. It's like a <laughs> it's a the vinyl of Strawberry the character seeing Instincts, bye 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 in the movie. So shout out A twenty four and A twenty four merch. Yeah, and and Sync signed off on it. They they watched the whole movie. They knew what the movie was about. They're like, yeah, let's. Oh yeah, well, actually, I read so I read that Lance Bass read like the script, and so he knows like so the the scene where she's singing the like she's yeah. like plot twist like she's topless and it's uh, post uh, coitus I think is the uh, scientific term. Yeah, um, they had sex her, right. Um, so time. yeah, and sure. then um and so she's sitting there just like playing the piano singing. And so Lance Bass is like, ha I don't think they read this. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that actually read it. He's like, I think I'm the only one that reads the scripts. He's like, but I, you know, I love the Florida project, love Sean Baker. So, you know, we all signed off, but I don't think they have any idea uh, what this movie is going to be about. So <laughs> it's going to be a big surprise when they watch it. So I was reading that. It was pretty funny. That's so funny. I know Justin Timberlake did not read this. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, hey, and seek that old thing. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. Sure. Lance, he said that he's like, we didn't even have to hop into our group chat, and I was like, bro, there's an instinct group chat. Of course. Oh like, man, I need I'm to know to everything that. about that. I know, dude. That's so tight. Number five in my list: a little film called Tick Tick Boom. This is the life of Boba Bobo. This is the life of Boba Bobo. This is the life of Boba Bobo. Bohemia. <laughs> Showers in the kitchen, there might be some soap. Dishes in the sink, brush your teeth to poop and coat. Toilets in the closet, you better hope there's a light bulb in there. Prick up your ears. Fourteen people in just four years. Ed and Max and Jonathan and Carolyn and Carrie. David Timber Tim was just a guest. I remember Tim Barry, Margaret, Lisa, David, Susan, Stephen, Joe, and Sam. And Elsa, the bill collector's dream of still is on the lamb. Don't forget the neighbors, Michelle and Gay. Bohemia. 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 Bohem
damn, I love this movie. Take, take, dot, dot, dot. Boom! I freaking loved it, dude. It, this movie is so good. And there's like an Andrew Garfield renaissance that I'm in right now. I just love this guy. Oh, yeah. Anything he does, I love it. And it's it's freaking YouTube. I keep watching the same damn scene from the social network where he's just going off on freaking uh, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> he's just like... Yeah, I'm sorry, my Prada was at the cleaners. <laughs> I know, <laughs> with next to my uh, fuck you flip flops or yeah. whatever. He's, he's so damn good, dude. I love it. It's just so really, it's just so awesome. That movie is a little like, yeah. Um, I'm watching oh. everything this guy does. I'm in love with everything. He was my favorite thing in freaking uh, the new Spider Man movie. He uh, absolutely consumed me in Tick Tick Boom. Hey, yeah. Um, it is. Uh, the plot here, it's uh, on the cusp of his 30th birthday, a promising young theater composer navigates love, friendship, and the pressures of life as an artist in New York City. And damn, is it true. Um, to be a creative, there's a big struggle, man. There's so many times where you could be like, I could just give up now and be fine. Like I could just stop what I'm doing, get a job, pay my bills, and be okay. But do you really want to do that? Is that the life you want to have? No, that's not the life you want to have. You want to have your life. And it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much money you don't or all the failures you've had. It's your life, and you're going to keep doing what you want to do um, because of that passion and because of what you love. And it's a tragic story of this guy, Jonathan Larson. I don't know if you know who he is. A lot of people don't because I think we were alive when he was already dead plot twist, he died. Um, it's super sad, but he mm. made rent. He made rent. And, uh, like the opening night he, he died, unfortunately, because the complications of something that he had watched the movie or read about his life. It's really, truly inspiring. This guy never gave up. He just continued doing what he was doing. And plot twist rent blew up and he wasn't there to see it. But, um, he still didn't have any regrets, you know, like he, he still did everything a hundred percent and still, um, uh, strived for greatness and continued doing what he, he wanted to do in this movie. Um, you know, you see him struggling with this, uh, play that he's doing. I think it's called superbia and, um, it, it, it fails. Like it's just, it, it, it doesn't take off the way he wants it to take off. And I think his agent tells him like, Hey, that's that's showbiz, you know. What you do now is you put your pen to paper and make another one, and keep making another one, and keep making another one, and keep making another one. And so you see all the struggle that's happening in this guy's life. You see moments of frustration. You see moments of just like sadness because <laughs> not every life is perfect. Um, but it's like a musical, man. It's so good. Lin-Manuel Miranda, he is the director. Uh, and you know him from Hamilton. This is his direct, like, total, like, debut. Like, he just handles this freaking movie. And uh, Steven Levinson, who uh, wrote uh, Dear Evan Hansen, um, the uh, play uh, or the musical, uh, he wrote this movie, too. And it's it's like... It's just like the best thing ever for like theater kids. Yeah, <laughs> my my three word review for the movie is theater kids renaissance. Um, nice. I, I had like a dirtier one that I'll tell you like off like like pod. Um, <laughs> but uh, if if you love theater, there's this super dope Sunday like brunch type uh, scene. Uh, you know, because there's a lot of uh, 
singing moments in this movie. There's a lot of songs, a lot of catchy songs. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the one with Andrew Garfield and Vanessa Hudgens, who's in it, and they're both uh, doing a song. They're doing like a duet together, um, and they're going back and forth, and it's quirky, and it's fast, and it's awesome, and it's all over TikTok. I have like seven of those TikToks. I'll send it to you. Um, but this Sunday uh, scene uh, musical number has like – 25 30 cameos of theater people in it you see the Skylar sisters in there you see freaking adina mazel you see a bunch of people that i know um if people love theater or a theater kid out there is just like oh my god this is like my end game and um and it's just awesome it it it, it, it really is a hopeful just positive like great movie it's so good and it's so tragic um but they tell you really quick that <laughs> this this guy was a visionary and um uh, it, yeah. it was unfortunate what happened but he had an amazing story and i think lin-manuel miranda did a great job capturing that and directing andrew garfield with this i think it's his best performance um so far i think in his career um you could say maybe hacksaw ridge but i i really think that andrew garfield gave it his all and i wouldn't be surprised if he could uh, a bunch of noms uh, for this movie. I, I oh, I, I rated it with failed musical projects. It sounds like, like kind of sad, but it's ninety three. You know, it's like hey, it's, it's ninety four. That's the one that's gonna get it. It's just so good. Yours, so I do not have scores and three word reviews ready, as um, anyone listening may have uh, figured out. But your ninety one tweets for Zola just threw me off guard. That was so funny. I just There's a lot of tweets. It's a shit yeah. ton of them, bro. <laughs> There's a ton of them, dude. I uh, dug it. All right, cool. Yeah, tick tick boom. It's a lot of fun. You know, you know, musicals not really my thing. Right? I'm like a weird guy, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was good. I did enjoy it when it was on. I was like, hey, this is cool. Like, this is good. And that scene with Vanessa Hudgens where they're singing on the stools and stuff. It's yeah, awesome. dude. Yeah, it's really good. But it's, shout out to her. She does such a great jo- uh, job singing and acting. Weird, like, tweeter, though. <laughs> she has some weird uh, tweets and some weird videos of her talking about weird things. But just don't worry nah. about that. Just no, we watch all performances. Do. It's not. We're not supposed to express <laughs> ourselves like this. It's weird. <laughs> it's not our fault. Uh, okay, so my number five right here, I got The Last Duel. You knew what would happen to me should you lose this duel. You knew, and you didn't tell me. God will not punish those who tell the truth. My fate and our child's fate will be written not by God's will, but by which old man will tire first. How dare you speak to me this way? What if I to lose? I begged you to find another way, and now I might be burned alive. I am risking my life for you. Hmm. You are risking... My life. So you can fight your enemy and save your bride. And that could render our child an orphan. Or did you not think of that? Uh, This is directed by Ridley Scott. Damn. Written by Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Nicole Hall of Center. This is actually, fun fact, the only movie, movie spoilers going forward, that has a different writer and director. Every single other one of the movies on my list at the were written and directed by the same person. So, yeah, last duel. Um, the synopsis here is King Charles VI declares that Knight Jean de Carouge settled his dispute with the squire by challenging him to a duel. Um, yeah, apparently this was the last duel that was um, sanctioned by the government at that time. I think uh, France or whoever. I don't even know. But uh, 
wherever it Ooh, took place, right? Some history. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a history guy. Um, uh, so apparently it's the last duel that took place, and that's why it got that title. But um, essentially, uh, you know, we got Ben Affleck, Matt, or no, those are the writers. Uh, this movie starring also Ben Affleck, uh, Matt Damon, we got Judy Comer, and uh, Adam Driver. Those are kind of the main four. So, yeah. So, the uh, you know, Matt Damon and Judy Comer in the movie are married. And then the Judy Comer character alleges Adam Driver, you know, raped her. And oh, this is kind of, you know, and this is the olden times. So, it's not like she can't, she can't like just call the police or whatever. So, uh, essentially, Matt Damon challenges Adam Driver to a duel to the death. And the, the consensus is that God will essentially decide by whoever dies is, you know, that's God's judgment. And that's kind of the movie. But what's interesting about this and kind of what sets it apart is it tells this story leading up to this duel from three different perspectives. Um, so the first perspective are, is like Adam Driver's perspective. And it's like how he sees the situation or how he's expressing it. Then it's Matt Damon's perspective. And then it's Judy Comer's perspective. And so that's actually so Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote the screenplay initially, and then they brought Nicole Holliff Center on to write the female perspective for the movie just to make sure, you know, rang true. And it's just very interesting. You know, you, you get to see uh, kind of these where they tell the same story in just little ways and you don't know if characters are lying or they legitimately believe, you know, kind of the, the BS surrounding oh, them or their circumstances. And Interesting. Um, you know, it's just little nuances like, uh, you know, like, like Matt Damon ends up being supportive of her. But before he's supportive of her, he, like, almost kills her. You know, he, like, chokes her out. Like, did you do this? You know, oh, my gosh. But when he's telling the story, it's like he was instantly supportive, you know. And then when she's telling the story, it's like he was not. And so all these little different things, how they play and how it comes up. And uh, it's just it made the movie a little more engaging, a little more interesting. The action is out of control. Like a movie when it's violent. It's not a super violent movie. But when there was action, like, it was in there. It was intense. It was like 300-level type stuff. Um, and this is a movie that kind of got ignored by a lot of people. You know, this was, it it was probably the biggest bomb of 2021. Like it had a hundred million dollar budget. Ridley Scott's directing, you know, we got Matt or Ben, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon back and it only made 9 million opening weekend, just did nothing. And so now it's just been this big point of contention with like Ridley Scott went on like a big rant about millennials. Like no one oh, millennials yeah. care. All they care about is their damn phones. And yeah, because this movie wasn't me. on phones, that's why no one wants to watch it. And uh, Ben Affleck was just kind of like, Hey man, look, you know, like it's, is like an adult drama. It's like uh, adults watching dramas are probably staying home right now. It's not really a big movie going uh, group and uh, it's doing better on streaming. So, you know, what can you do? The business is changing. So he's kind of chill about it. But I think it's going to continue to do well on streaming. And, uh, yeah, I, I just – it's also – like Ben Affleck in the movie, he has a smaller role. He's actually like the comic relief, which is welcomed because the movie's pretty heavy. Uh, <laughs> he's actually like super funny. He's kind of like just talking in a normal Ben Affleck um, accent. I would say like a lot of this, they did not go to great pains to make this historically accurate as far as like the way they talk. It kind of seems like – like Ben Affleck specifically, like it literally cracks me up. He's just talking. Like, it's just Ben Like, he has a little accent, but barely. He has more of an accent in Goodwill Hunting than he does in this movie. It's insane. Oh, <laughs> but I don't know why. It just plays. It almost feels enduring. It's like, oh, thank God someone's making a joke during the rape movie because Jesus Louise. And it, it just works. <laughs> um, Ridley Scott directed the hell out of it. It's a story about ego and justice and 
uh, you know, it's kind of got some like Me Too vibes, and you know, obviously uh, believing women, and you know, and but also, you know, how it plays in. I mean, this because this movie is it's got the Me Too vibe, but it's not about believing women. It's about your own ego, and you know, it's not like what happened to her, but it's about how people perceive you now, and and how she's fighting that, and so. Uh, just overall, really interesting movie, and the way they told the story, I think, really elevated it. So, uh, Last Duel, my number five. It's available as of, I think, today on HBO Max. So, before that, it was just VOD, so watch it on HBO Max while you still can. The whole, like, different, like, storytelling or, like, different, like, kind of, like, scheming or, like, different narrative. Like, I don't know. It's, I, I didn't know it was going to be like that, so that's that's dope. I legit, I mean we all knew it was going to be about a fight, but like, I didn't know what the fight was about. I thought it was kind of like, Hey bro, like you're messing on my turf or something. I'm going to kill you. Challenge you to a duel. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's gosh, there's a moment. It's so like haunting almost where he, and that's why, you know, where there's so many parallels to today where he's talking, like I think Ben Affleck's talking to Adam driver's character and he's like, did you really do this? Like what they're saying you did. And he's like, and he kind of looks at him. He's like, you know, well, she, like, she did what she's, you know, as a as a woman who's married would do. You know, she can't just act like she wanted it. But you know, of course, no, I didn't rape her. Like, it was just, it's like, oh, like his, like his, his brain is broken. Like he just doesn't, uh, yeah. And so it's like, so that's why the the different perspectives were so interesting. And I mean, it's hard to watch because certain scenes you see multiple times, but it's uh. Yeah, like where he's like, oh, I didn't. I mean, yeah, she. Of course, she couldn't just say yes. That would have been totally inappropriate. But I know that she, she Ooh, was. She, yeah, and so it's just like, oh my gosh, like it's oh, just such a man. It's. Is, I mean, it's yeah. absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. So, I want to see like the Zola movie version of this movie. Like just a bunch of tweets of just going back and forth. And just people. <laughs> yeah, like, just, like, I saw this. <laughs> I saw that. I don't know. Like she. Hey, she is married of course she couldn't say yes but low-key like look at me yeah you know, she was down you know my name's got a weird haircut in this movie look oh they all me. did ben affleck too ben affleck was so <laughs> funny the first time he's on the screen he's like i just <laughs> it's just so crazy it's like you're down or like, yeah he's wilding out he's like <laughs> rich he's like he's like a prince he's like a big guy he's like an oh no way man. oh yeah yeah Oh, okay. And he hates wait, wait, Matt Damon. He's like, I just you, don't like this guy. I just don't really? like him. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I got to watch this just for that alone. I love Ben Affleck. I should have watched it just because, like, I love Ben Affleck more than Matt Damon. I don't know if that's a hot take, but no, I no, just same. like him more. Yeah, same. I just like him more. And my Damon, Matt Damon might be the better actor, but some of Ben Affleck, I just, you know, I've got like that. I feel like J-Lo. Like, I'm just like, man, I mean, come on. How can yeah. I love this guy? Have you watched the uh, the Tender Bar on Amazon Prime? No, but I I got recommended to that. I I someone recommended me that movie like yesterday when I was oh, talking yeah. about Come On Come On. They're like, dude, if you like that one, watch the Tender Bar. Okay, like, really? so I feel like those movies are nothing alike except for the there's, fact that there's like the a nephew. kid in both of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, he owns a bar, right? Yeah, he yeah. Like owns a bar, and then he like he's like, ah, fuck, I gotta take care of this kid. Yeah, but he's definitely like a side character, and he it's just one of those things where it's like Ben Affleck, what a stud! Like he totally steals every scene he's in. He's by far the best part of the movie. It's kind of like, uh, did you watch Hillbilly Elegy? Uh, no, because I heard that movie was like disastrous. Yeah, that, so the movie's like a piece of shit, right? Super and, bad acting. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> see, the thing is though, there's some great actors and there's some great acting, 
But the yeah. the movie is melodramatic as hell, and the yeah. main actor is so bad, right? Like yeah. he's just so bad. And so Tender Bar is essentially like if like Hillbilly Elegy just had all good actors, uh, but was still super like melodramatic. Um, and so it's not like a perfect movie by any means, but ben, it's worth watching just for Ben Affleck alone. And the ride is fun overall. Was it anything like like uh, Manchester by the Sea? No, no, it's not that boring. It's completely different. Oh, okay, that movie. You know what? Yeah, we're gonna get you on that train. Dude. It's a great movie. I really liked it. It's got the uh, Casey Affleck. Yeah, I'm, I on. love Casey Affleck, but I hear slow burn and I just start. I start getting ready to run. I start. I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> slow burn really takes the time to set the mood. Like, oh, how much time? It's good. I might not be here. The thing with Manchester by the Sea though is just like a bunch of people that don't want to deal with life though. They no one wants to handle the situation. You know, yeah. it starts off like because of a death, and they're kind of like, oh fuck, I guess <laughs> we have to do something. Like, so annoying. Um, sick man, sick. Uh, well, number four, I've got uh Madman Moan Hitter. I absolutely love this movie when it came out. Um, and it's none other than King Richard. I fixed Serena serve. Because you messed that up. You did what? Yes, I fixed that toss because you messed it up. Mm -hmm. I'm here. I've been here dreaming and believing just like you. Mm -hmm. You just don't want to see me. So uh, what you want? What you want? You, you want thank you? <laughs> That's all right, Richard. That's all right. I don't need your thank you. Unlike you, I don't need the world to tell me I'm great. Hey, um, the freaking my guy, the Will Smith vehicle. Um, let me give you the plot one more time. It's a look at how tennis superstars Venus and Serena Williams became who they are after the coaching from their father, Richard Williams. Um, so you know, like the last duel, like King Richard, there's a little bit of you know, a little confident. They're essentially the same movie. Yeah. Um, Super good movie. I absolutely loved it. The director, Reynaldo Marcus Green, did Mar uh, Monsters and Men and uh, Joe Bill, uh, which when we uh, reviewed it, we, we talked about that. I, I know I wanted to watch Joe Bell and see it, and Monsters and Men seems like it's a good movie. I So yeah. I, I didn't see it, but like what a trip right i really enjoyed this movie do not yeah. have no idea what the director is and i think that's good i, I think I, I i enjoyed it a little bit more because it's like it didn't have like if robertson makers directed this i would have been like oh yeah this is like for sure like i'm gonna love it yeah, yeah. and there's already probably a, a expectation and i probably would have been a little let down um but i i really enjoyed this movie like this movie was just so so good and um did not watch it in the theaters watched it at home hbo max um and it was good. I, I loved it. So so I feel like most of my movies are like very wholesome. Um but I loved it, man. I I don't know what to tell you. I I, I mean I gave it <laughs> ninety three yeah. Rick Macy mustaches and my uh three word review is keeping more Berthal because the acting was was great. It wasn't just um Will Smith, obviously, Will Smith handled it. He's the lead. You see him the most time throughout the whole movie. But, you know, Barenthal, the young actresses playing Venus and Serena, um, freaking Richard Williams' wife in the movie, like, so intense. Um, great acting all around. And it, it, it's just good watching uh, this good sports 
movie. I think yours was like obscure like sports film or something um, because it is a different type. Yeah. It, it's, it's not so much like sports. You don't see a lot of like, I mean, you see the great action sports scenes um, and it, they look real. They're good. They're good scenes. It doesn't feel fake. Sometimes you get that fakeness when you're like, oh man, this I can't believe this. This is completely CGI or this is like, they're not even using the same actors. They did such a great job. They they killed it. And um, Will Smith does a, a solid job. There is an awkward fart scene. That's all I'm going to say. Super awkward, super random fart scene. I think when you watch it, you're going <laughs> to crack power up. play. But I was like, damn. <laughs> like, I've never ended a conversation on that. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we talk about it in detail in one of our episodes. I, I don't have the episode number in front of me. But uh, you can hear us like really dive in and really review this movie. Um, so I, I won't talk about it too much other than just saying good things because it is a really good movie. And the acting is top notch. And it's just an awesome movie. King Richard, way to go. Number four on my list. All right. Number four. I love it. I love it, King Richard. It's a, it's, I mean, it's a great movie. If you, if you haven't watched King Richard, what are you waiting for? I think it's back on HBO Max now. Like, watch it. I'm going to hop into our number four here. Right now, I got the lost daughter. They really put us through it, huh? I thought you said you were pregnant with your first. I am. What were your daughters like when they were little? Were, were they like this willful little creature? I don't honestly, I can't remember much, actually. Oh, no, you can't forget anything about your own children. Is that your experience? I just mean... Did your daughters give you a hard time when they were little? I just don't remember. You okay? She doesn't remember. I was very tired. So, excuse me. Sorry. Look, don't bother buying another doll. It won't make any difference. You'll find it. Uh, this is written and directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, yes. based on a book by Elena Ferrante, starring Olivia Coleman, Jesse Buckley, Dakota Johnson, Ed Harris. Um, this is probably the only movie in my top ten, and I, know I was just talking about slow burns, that would be considered a slow burn. Um, but it's uh, it's a movie that has stuck with me. That It's definitely not boring by any stretch of the imagination, but it does take a minute to get going. And even as it gets there, it's kind of weird. But as it ended, and as I sat with it, it just—it I just couldn't shake it. I just couldn't shake it. I wanted to know more about it. I had to learn more about it, and uh, I grew to love it um, even after the movie ended, just because of how beautiful I thought it was. Um, so the synopsis here is: a woman's beach vacation takes a dark turn when she begins to confront the troubles of her past. Uh, this is like an unflinchingly honest movie right borderline unpleasant uh yeah it, it's uh it, it really is just kind of in your and it's not it's not that it's that much but the, the story you know olivia coleman she's she's going on vacation and she's kind of having flashbacks about her kids and having trouble as a mom you know and so you're seeing you're seeing like that she's having a hard time and she kind of becomes fixated on this other young mother who's out there uh, dakota johnson who I mean, the, the acting in this movie is out of control. Like, Olivia Coleman is so good. Uh, she's probably going to get a best, best Actress nod. Uh, she's absolutely incredible. The first time I really recognized her or knew who she was was The Father, which came out earlier mm-hmm. this year. 
And mm-hmm. she was awesome in that too. I mean, I'll, I'll watch anything this woman's in. She's so terrific. But Dakota Johnson has such like a darkness about her. Like at least in this movie, like there's just these moments where she just looks at the camera and she feels tortured. Like it's like, oh my gosh, like someone helped this girl. Like it almost like she's like being kidnapped. I don't even know. It's just she says so much with just a look, and it's very Dakota Johnson, you know. I even saw it on Ellen, you know. She's just there, like, it's dark. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's there's so much special about this movie, but it's, you know, she kind of, she she becomes fixated on this woman, Dakota Johnson, and, you know, and this kid that she has. And it's kind of a movie about, like, motherhood and, um, you know, like, essentially that, like, it's almost like motherhood can be hard, like, your mom, it's like your mom doesn't necessarily just like think it's dope as hell that she's your mom all the time, especially when you're younger. You know, like there's there's moments where it might feel overwhelming, you know, like and just because she's your mom doesn't mean she's not a human doesn't mean she she doesn't feel like it's too much, you know. And um, and I think that because of that, like they were talking, Maggie Gyllenhaal was talking about this movie and how yeah, uh, a lot of movies don't get made from the female perspective anyway, just because uh, they just don't, you know, I mean, that's slowly changing. Right. But, uh, for the most part, that's just kind of a rare thing, but because everyone has a mother, the thought of like a mother who's disengaged or that, that doesn't care or feels overwhelmed or doesn't want to be involved with her child, like is really kind of troubling. Like people don't want to see that. And uh, this movie kind of plays with that a little bit. So even so much, I mean, I watched it with a woman and she was like, Oh, she's like a terrible mom. (laughs) She's like, she's so terrible. Like (laughs) This is awful. Right. And uh, I, I just, there's something, you know, this movie, again, it just stuck with me. You know, they, she, Olivia Coleman carries the movie. Um, it's based on this book, and the book, like, the author's, like, anonymous, right? And so Maggie Gyllenhaal had to write a letter to try and get the rights to this movie. And she said, you can adapt the book, but only if you direct it. And then she wrote, like, an op-ed for a newspaper and said, I would only let her write this movie if she was going to direct it. I would not give the direct, like, if a man was going to direct this movie, I wouldn't give the rights away. So she wanted a woman to tell the story. It's just a really beautiful story. Now, it's almost it's very interesting. It's kind of like it's mostly a drama, but there's like some thriller vibes there. There's some yeah. uh there's some dark scenes, there's some weird stuff, you know. She kind of like she takes the kid's doll, like Olivia Coleman does, and that's a big point of contention. Um and there's some stuff that goes on and I I don't want to spoil too much, but it's a really good movie, a really kind of dark movie, a really heavy movie, but at the same time it's just you know, it's a movie about people and about humans and that we're flawed. And so, uh, yeah, I just I just grew to love this movie the more I thought about it. So The Lost Daughter, available on Netflix. Check it out. Um, and it is it is available on Netflix now, right? For a while, like it was. Yes. It, yes. And then now it's on there. Yeah, this one, I, I haven't checked it out yet. and But it's, it's one of those that's going to be, I know it's going to be a nice treat. Um, because it just looks intense, bro. It looks so, yeah. it looks so like wild. But it's it's getting attention. It's getting like Oscar like buzz and um and shout out Maggie Gyllenhaal just I guess for making this movie in this perspective here. Yeah. Um. So for number three, Uh-oh. I've got top three. none other top three. Let's go. And, and this is kind of like I've I, man, I'm in my feels a lot. Like a lot of my movies, like especially like the last few ones that I just like talked about. Like you know, there's there's a lot of emotion here, but the one that gives you the most is Pig. Nobody wants 
pubs around here. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, just a terrible investment. What was going to be your signature dish? Liver scotch eggs with a honey curry mustard. <laughs> They're not real. You get that, right? None of it is real. The critics aren't real. The customers aren't real. Because this isn't real. You aren't real. <laughs> okay. Derek, why do you care about these people? They don't care about you. None of them. They don't even know you. Because you haven't shown them. Pig is my number three. Oh, okay. Nicholas Cage. Um, I gave it 94 stolen bikes. As you heard, I said, follow your dreams. And, um, to remind you on the plot, it's, uh, Nicholas Cage. He's a truffle hunter who lives alone in, uh, the Oregon wilderness. And he must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved, uh, forging, uh, for, for aging, uh, pig after she is kidnapped. So, you know, a lot of people cop it to like John Wick with a pig. And it's 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 a lot like that. There's some randomness like John Wick too. There's already a world established um that could be a metaphor uh, if you look really into it. Um but at the end of the day it's just like like TC, you know, who you know you uh interviewed he really points it just like he he just explains it best. It's it's just a beautiful f- film about grief and just mm. following your dreams and your passion and and it, it's just so good the way it plays out. Um, Nick Cage doesn't talk much, and you, you you realize why. You realize why he's living alone. You realize why he's in this world, um, and the way that this story just plays out, and the way that you see it unfold. It's just so. Um, it's so good. So sad. It's a, it, it it is a little bummer, um, but it makes for a beautiful film. And it's a directorial debut of uh, this dude, uh, Michael Sarnowski. Like he's like, mm. writer director. Did nothing oh, yeah. else. Did this one ha- happened to be a top three hitter on the Men Men Moan <laughs> top ten? Like crazy dude. Um, and so that that might be a little passion in him too. You know, just following his dreams and making this dope ass movie with Nick Cage. Shout out Nick Cage. You know, he, this guy like we say he just does whatever now. He's like fucking John Wick with a pig. Throw me in. I'm down. Let's I'm gonna do give it. you everything too. I'm gonna f- handle it. And. Yeah. uh and someone was saying like he's taking all these roles because of how much taxes he owes. Yeah, I don't know if that's, that's true or not. That's true. That's, but uh, yeah. keep making more movies than the case. <laughs> I'm down. If I'm gonna get more stuff like like pig, go for it. I feel so bad. I I think like in New Orleans he bought a house that was haunted because he's Nick Cage, right? And they were like, Don't buy the house, it's haunted. And he was like, I'm Nick Cage, I'll do whatever we want. And then he he like had to sell it. Like he just like and I, I and I think he had a hard time trying to sell it too. Like it sucks, dude. But um yeah. This is a really good movie, really great performance. One of the best scenes ever, and it's that scene where he sees his like former um, chef or former guy that worked yeah. with him, and he just freaking rips him apart, dude. Mm-hmm. And the camera just stays on him, and you see everything, and you see just dreams that one had and go away, and it's just so damn good. And that I, I just nope. keep cracking up to you when we reviewed it, and you were talking about how like that woman started walling out because the pig was stolen. <laughs> Lots of mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Like, what? Oh, well, no. Yeah, and they're like, I don't know who has this. And she knew exactly who to go to. <laughs> yeah. Like, These sons like, of bitches. Yeah. Like, she freaked <laughs> out, and then boom, they're in the mobile home. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Just I don't know nothing about that pig. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's so good, and the third act is very, like, I, I just keep saying such a bummer because it is. But um, please watch the movie. Please watch it. It's so good. It's so one of my proudest things to recommend to someone when they watch it and they come back to me and they're like, dude, the movie was awesome. And Portland's cool. Keep it weird. I'm like, hell yeah, dude. Um, so <laughs> watch Pig, please. For the love uh, of God, watch yeah. Pig. No, Pig is great. Pig is great. That was one that would have been on my list. I just It just didn't make it in the end. Uh, but I, I love Pig. I got nothing but good things to say about it. And I know, you know, it's funny when we compare it a little behind the scenes. We can, when we compared lists this morning, you know, it's like, hey, you know, like I was like, oh, this is crazy. We don't have any of the same movies. And uh, and then the Madman was like, you know, hey, that's you know, it's your list. Like it's no big deal. But like, what happened with Pig? Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I, you know, I kind of explained my reasoning for not having yeah. it there, but oh, the movie's awesome. Like, I, yeah. definitely anyone should watch it. It's a great flick. Great flick. It's so good. So good. Uh, let's see. All right. So uh, number three for me, uh, I got a movie called Small Engine Repair. Cycle begins. I'm out. I'm sorry. We're supposed to be happy that Karen's back in town. Gee, I can't wait to deal with your anger issues again. You know, you don't got to deal with anymore because you got your new work friends, right? God, I for sake, don't do that. Look, all I'm saying is Karen's toxic. That's what she does. She swoops in, she plays the wife, she plays the mother, she pulls you in, then she tears you the apart. And you go on a bender, start throwing strangers she flirts with through plate glass windows and i get to stay up with crystal all night tell her her father ain't going back to jail this is you know even crystal knows it all right there are two things in your life that consistently up it's karen and your temper i mean think about it you you live your life you got a daughter spends half the time being terrified of you that's just a fact uh this is written and directed by john uh, polano Starring uh, John Bernthal, Shea Wiggum, and uh, John Polano. So the synopsis here is events been out of control when three lifelong friends agree to do a favor on behalf of the brash young woman they all adore. Uh, so this movie is based on a play, uh, who was, which was also written by uh, John Polano. Um, and John Bernthal and John Polano were, and I hope I'm saying his name right because I said it like 17 times right now. But they were John both Polano. in the original play in 2011. Um, and fun fact, actually, with that play, John Bernthal was only in the play. Well, not only, but he in 2011, he had just finished the first season of Walking Dead. So he's kind of kind of getting his name out there. Uh, and but he had knocked some guy out in Venice. Like, so he was walking on the boardwalk. Some dude was like messing with him, messing with his dog, like some drunk guy. He told him to leave him alone. The guy didn't. He ended up just clocking him right in the face, knocked this guy out. Um, cops came. And he was unconscious for a while, and he got arrested. Oh, the cops were like, "Hey, if yeah, this guy doesn't that's, wake up, that's attempt, that's murder. Like you yeah, killed that guy." That's um, what happened to Ronnie in Jersey Shore. Yeah, so out cold. <laughs> so he, uh, so he was like, "Damn!" So he was. So anyway, the guy ended up waking up, still sued him, of course, and so <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't allowed to leave Los Angeles at all. So he's like, "Well, this play is being done in L.A." He's like, "It's a good time to do a play. I can't leave the city." And so he signed up for the play. <laughs> 
which is just great, right? What a freaking guy, dude. <laughs> yeah. what, a, like, what, a, what a legend. Yeah, dude. What a man's man. Give me more yeah. Burnthal, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Let's put him on their Mount Rushmore, dude. <laughs> I'm down, dude. He's he needs to be, a, to be there. He can take over Chris Harrison's spot for now. Burnthal, right? yeah. Chris yeah. Harrison. He's, Sorry, like, Chris. The, the woke police was out there. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just, it's yeah we still got you, bro. We'll get you the next one. I got um, you, bro. But yeah, but this, this movie is... Uh, now it's an interesting movie, right? It's kind of a love letter to like a a roughneck, like a roughneck guy, like a guy's guy, but also yeah. like extremely critical of that too. So it, it's almost like a I you know the, the director John Polano he explained it a bunch of different ways. You know he's like I wrote this movie for the smartest women in the room, like my mom and my sister. Like that's what he was kind of saying. And Ooh, so nice. it's like really a movie about feminism, but wrapped in this very rough outer shell um, uh, with uh, just, he said, in a very honest way. Like, when these guys talk, they talk like you know, locker room talk, you know, and it's very brash. It's very in your face. It takes place in Boston, um, and it's just, it doesn't pull any punches. Uh, and so the movie kind of starts as, like, this, like, hangout movie with some friends. You know, they're, like, getting together, having a couple beers, cooking some steaks, hanging out, you know, talking shit, whatever. And and you'll I I just can't wait for you haven't watched this movie right I I haven't but that's what intrigued me like the companionship the brotherhood and the um like I guess the therapeutic experience that they might have but I yeah. I know some shit happens but well no yeah some uh, stuff goes down but you're gonna love yeah. that part of the movie I just I'm excited for you to watch it yeah you're just gonna be like yes this is it right um but just knowing you uh but. The movie ends up spiraling into something like crazy. Like it's, I saw a review, which was like it was like a ten word review, but it was like, oh, the first hour of the movie, like, oh, this is really nice. Like it's great to have friends, and the last thirty minutes, like, holy shit, what the, you know, like what is going on? So, yeah. uh, I I don't want to spoil too much, uh, and I don't want to go too far into it. But essentially, you know, these guys are hanging out. Um, they end up, they end up, you know, having some guy come over, and you know. One thing leads to another. Yeah, I don't want to say too much. Either way, the movie gets crazy. I, I was they like s- cover it. They allude to it a little bit in the trailer. Like, like some yeah. So someone comes in and some some shit goes down. Yeah, some stuff goes down for sure. So it gets dark. I mean, the movie the movie's got like a body on it, like under a like a closed garage. So I don't know. It's, it, it just know it gets intense. I don't want to spoil we'll s- it. Just watch Small Engine Repair. It's my number three. I, I think very highly of this movie. Uh, some you might watch it on surface and be like, oh, these guys are a little like offensive, maybe a little regressed almost. You know, it's kind of got like that, like that, that mid nineties vibe in a little way where you're like, uh, are you supposed to be saying things like this anymore, sir? That's not okay. But uh, but it, it is it is critical of it at the same time, so it definitely doesn't celebrate it. And it's just a really intense movie. It's a short movie. And it's just uh, kind of thrilling, and it's something that really spoke to me this year. I really enjoyed it, uh, and it, it just gets absolutely wild, just out of control wild. So, yeah, small engine repair. Check it out. I really want to watch it because I really care about Berenthal. Like John Berenthal is, a, he's a good actor, and um, and it, it knowing now what happened, right? Like that story in Venice and him being locked in LA and he's like, I'm an actor. I'm going to go act. I'm going to go do this play. You know, like that's, that's beautiful. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and watching like 10 years or so later, like 
just being the a movie that he was in the play in a long time ago. Like it's just so dope. I love hearing stories like that. I love like hearing how um how life is and even in actors how they connect with someone and then years later they reconnect and boom, they make they make a dope movie. And it seems like this one's got mm-hmm. a lot of heart in it. And that's like the Man Man Moon special. Like oh, yeah. have a, it's kinda like what would you do for family? You know, like and you know, friends or oh. family. Like how far would you go? I would go pretty far. All right, bro. Well, we'll see. I don't know if you have a small engine repair far. Vin Diesel will tell me. Oh, well, shit. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I there's times when, there's, there's been times where I'm like, hey, if I killed someone, what would you know? Like, okay. So we have to dispose of the body. We there you go. I promised like, I had yes. edited it out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I got your bag, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? You're like, I don't know. It's that guy, that people I did it. Yeah, you should yeah, get him. Hell yeah. I know exactly where he lives. I know exactly where he lives. <laughs> Here's two. I'll, I'm going to give you two addresses. Double check it out. <laughs> um, oh, Especially man. if there's like a reward bounty. My dad might just throw me in. Like, hey, Damn, that's it was rough. 50, it was 50,000. Yeah, yeah. He's like, my son. Yeah, I, I could see it. I could see it. Uh, I never how much? Him. He didn't even want to watch football on Sunday. He didn't even want to watch football. <laughs> <Yeah>. He didn't <laughs> It was that day, huh? It was that? Yeah, it was that day. I know. No, I knew something was up. <laughs> um, so, I t- t- down to our last two, essentially. Mm. And this one was when you were talking about Quiet Place Two and just the movie experience you had, and like movies was back, and you being just in awe of it all. Um. My number two, Dune, did that for me, brother. Mm. It just did. Years of years, we've traded blood for blood. But no more. Your son is dead. Your concubine is dead. Tonight, the house of a traitor falls. And your bloodline ends forever. When I saw this in the theater, I was like, holy shit, this is a movie. And um, it is directed <laughs> it by. Is, uh, it totally is, dude. I told. I mean, I get what you're saying, 100. percent Like, this is a movie. Like, this yeah, is, I was like, yeah, I was like, no time holy, to die, too. Like, bro, this is yes, movie, bro. I was this like, is it. Dude, yeah, this is so loud. Like, I love this cinematography, A plus. <laughs> um, it's a freaking movie. I felt like a kid again, really. Like, and I don't care that much about this dude, like story. Like, I, I was like, I'm just gonna watch it because it's a movie. It's just a thing, Timothy Chalamet, whatever. And but it's, it's really got my man Oscar Isaac, who um is uh is like doesn't have that like like man. I wish he could be like on our Mount Rushmore, but he is just on a different level. You know, and I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing to say, but I've I've loved Oscar Isaac for so long. He's like awesome. all, watching all his movies, everything he's done, Ex Machina, freaking Inside Lumen Davis, like Drive, you know, standard uh, card counter. Gabriel, it, yeah, dude, card counter. Yeah, which could have been on you know this top ten thing. Um, he's just good at what he does, and he does a good job being this dad. Um, the 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 plot is. It's a uh, well. First, I'll just tell you, it's a feature adaption of uh, this dude Frank Herbert, uh, his science fiction novel. Um, but it's about uh, the son of a noble family entrusted with the protection of the most valuable asset and most vital element in the galaxy. That freaking 
spice, bro. Um, hey. and uh, and it's it's just made a great like it, it. It was just a great adventure kind of action film. Uh, some drama in there for sure. But everyone, all the actors in the Jason Momoa, um, uh, shit. Uh, well, Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, who you barely see, um, Josh Brolin in it, uh, who is just awesome at anything that he does. Dave Bautista, what a freaking goon, what a legend. He's like, man, there he's yeah, that guy's, he's on my like bodybuilding wrestler, Mount Rushmore. Um, uh, Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem is someone that I was uh, uh, thinking about and kind of forgot about, but uh, he's in it too. And uh, Stellan Skarsgård, who made a weird freaking, <laughs> a weird ass villain. Um, but uh, it was just so good. I was just so enamored with this movie. Uh, Denny, uh, Denny Villanueva, right? Is that how we say his name? Uh, Denny Villanueva? Oh, that's. I mean, that's we say Villanueva, but it's. I think it's. Uh, it's like Denny Villanueva. Like it's. Like it's not even. It's like an. It's like you almost said something and then you stop mid sentence. Like uh, Denny Villanueva. Like it's. I don't know. Del- <laughs> We're not cultured enough, bro. But I got a lot of respect for the guy. He's a good dude. My man, Denny. My man, Danny. Hey, he, Danny. Um, he he does a good job just uh, with cinematography. I'll I'll just say cinematography and with his like sound mixing, sound editing in his films. He just knows how to handle it. He is one of the top directors in Hollywood right now. Um, this guy just absolutely handles anything that he does. But yeah, a solid cast, solid directing, solid cinematography. The freaking score is amazing. It's overall great movie. It's, it's probably going to be a lot of people's number one. Um, uh, but it, it it was just super awesome, super cool. I think you should check it out. I was just impressed. Yeah. No, I was Dune, super impressed. Dune's great. Uh, there's it's one of those things where I mean we obviously we we had an episode where we did a full review on it and yeah. I was also a big fan. I think I'm waiting for number 2 because it was so much a part 1 that I'm waiting for number 2 to think like top 10 for me personally, but there's no denying the cinematic experience of it all that it just it's overwhelming and I did not watch it in theaters. I was still overwhelmed on my home screen. I can only imagine. <laughs> so I just, yeah, it's I, I, it's one of those movies where, it, and I hate to, you know, like drop down absolutes because there's so many things that I absolutely disagree with when I hear things like this. But if you like movies, like there's no way you disliked the Dune experience. There's just, there's just, it's just too impressive. Like it was so technically impressive that, and it wasn't, it wasn't dull. It wasn't boring. It was just. It was a cool, interesting movie, and I, I can't wait for part two to really hopefully tie it together. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for the rest. All right, hopping into my number two movie here. We got Shiva Baby. I, I miss you. Okay. And I was like excited to, to, to see you. Like, great, whatever. It's whatever. Fuck, I'll fuck off. Okay, I miss you too. Sick. That's awesome. Cool. Cool. Great. Awesome. Well, I wouldn't know because you literally never text me. That so. is simply not true. I, I text you all the time. I didn't even know you were coming to that. Well, you don't text me either. So I don't. I literally, I replied to your fucking story and you didn't, you just like saw you it. You do not reply to a reply, okay? Well, you should. That's psychotic behavior, but that makes sense for you. Why don't you fucking reach out? I just told you that I did. I told you that I reached okay, out. Okay, well, why don't you just call me like an adult? Nobody calls, so. Well, grow up. Be different. 
than other people. Uh, written and directed by Emma Seligman, uh, starring Rachel Sinat, Danny DeFerrari, and Molly Gordon. Uh, the synopsis here is at a Jewish funeral service with her parents. A college student runs into her sugar daddy and ex-girlfriend. Um, this movie's wild. You know, so we, we talked about this a couple times on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this a couple times on the pod, and this is uh this is a movie that I, I think I said to you, Madman, once. I was like, dude, I haven't watched this movie yet, but I feel like this will be on your top ten. And then when TC was on, this was one of his recommendations. And so I, I knew I had to watch it. It was it was definitely on the list. It was on the radar. Um, you know, this is another movie. Now, you know, Small Engine Repair was based on a play. This was not, but it feels like it could have been. It pretty much all takes place in just one house. Uh, so it's pretty much one location the whole time. And it's a really tense, like, dramedy that's shot and scored like a horror movie. And so it's just this really weird stressful but fun i th- well i think i think it's fun but i also thought uncut gems was fun and then people are looking at me like i'm a psychopath um so you know it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh this is so this is one of the one of two movies on my list that gets a lot of comparisons to uncut gems uh people have called this one uh, jewish bisexual gems which is super on the nose but it plays and um it's, you know, so when you're looking at things like dealing with your ex, uh, who your family may or may not know about, you know, they're like, what is this? Uh, d- seeing a sugar daddy who your family definitely does not know about to losing your unlocked phone and not being able to find it and then stressing out about everyone. But really, like, that concept of, you know, like you have a facade that you put onto the world and you have a life that, you know, people don't know about. And to watch that kind of unravel in front of, of just, you know, the camera is just rough, you know? So you're like, it's just, you know, every, this person's reality is just falling apart right in front of her. It's still funny. It's still intense, but the score to this movie is just absolutely, it's just so like, it it feels like a horror movie. And so when she first, uh, when Emma Sligman first made this movie, she didn't envision a score in it at all. Like she, they had made a short, uh, with the same name, it was about twenty minutes, and there was no music in it whatsoever. So yeah. when she made this, she was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't even envision music being there. I just don't think it's necessary." And uh, as they were making it, there were certain moments where they're like, "Yeah, we need to add some music here. We should put something like this." What do you want? And she was like, "Oh, I think I just want like strings and like you know, like harps and like this and that." And they're like, "Oh," and so they started sending stuff out, and she was picking stuff, and then the person doing the composing was like, it's, "So do you want like horror? You want like a horror soundtrack?" And she was like, I, I mean, no, <laughs> but that's just kind of how it did. So some of these scenes with the score are so intense. And uh, it's just, know, this is another short movie. It's about an hour and a half. And, man, I was just Let's drawn go. into it. I just couldn't get enough. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. It, well, it's it's fun, but it's not. And it's stressful. And it's just, again, it's just like you just forget to breathe. You know, you're like, oh, my gosh, like, geez, Louise. So many, so many just awkward moments that uh, are just played up really well. I got nothing but good things to say about Shiva Baby. You got to check it out. Um, this is like Small Engine Repair. These are both available like on or Small Engine Repair is available only VOD. Shiva Baby is actually on HBO Max right now, so check it out if you got HBO Max. Yeah, this is one where um, like should be in my top ten. I didn't finish it. 
um and we like i feel like we like joked about like oh if we wait another day to record like what's our top 10 is going to change and yeah stuff. And i was like, it's like ever changing. gonna be mine for sure we wait one more day <laughs> and it's like i i always see these like nba drafts and it's like revisiting the nba draft like what should have been the number one pick what should have been the number two you know and uh maybe 10 years from now we'll go back and you know i'll throw shiva baby back on there <laughs> um but um but it's uh yeah you definitely feel the stress and these are like movies that I tell you like I I get stressed out about getting comfortable like Uncut Gems like I hated that movie but I freaking loved it so much it's like one of my favorite <laughs> movies but I was like man I cannot breathe like just stressed out about it like what the hell's gonna happen you know, like oh like all that anxiety yeah. um and watching it play out done effectively is so good like just like. Yeah done well like man it's it's so amazing when it is and um the fact that this like horror score is in there like kind of you know um uh not embracing but enhancing the experience i think is such a smart move yeah um and probably makes for a very stressful uh, experience but uh, <laughs> yeah a, it's a just, very it's, entertaining one it's funny to hear how it was like kind of secondary and that she's uh, Emma Seligman, the director, has stated that she doesn't even really watch like horror movies at all. It's just not a genre she <laughs> enjoys. And so when it was like a horror score, she's like, I mean, I I don't know, like not not really. No, I just want like tense stuff. And like you're asking for horror. She's like, oh, okay, okay, so horror, I guess. That's funny. Yeah, that's man. dope, man. That's awesome. And then the um the actors in this movie, they're not like people we know, right? I mean, no one I, I really recognized. Uh, yeah. I know. I think Molly Gordon has been in a couple things. I oh, okay. think. Uh, but I personally was not really familiar with anyone I saw. That's dope. That, that just makes it feel more real. <laughs> that makes sense. I always say that, but it just it's true. It's yeah, like, and and, and yeah. that's really a theme. Like when we uh, could talk about everything since like uh, I think number five. Gosh, what was my number five? Uh, everything since the last duel, we're talking about the lost daughter, small engine repair, and now this. And my number one as well. Once we get to it, they're all movies that feel like real. They feel like real life. They they happen to kind of be indies, not intentionally, but they just feel so genuine. And I, those are the movies that I gravitate to the most. Like it, it, I, if I feel like it could be happening right next door, I'm like, damn, like I, I like this. You know, it's just something that that's what works most for me. Those are the movies I just really dig. I really enjoy. So that's yeah. kind of the theme of my like top, you know, top four here. Sick, yeah. A lot of these movies weren't originally on my list. <laughs> like they, they weren't. There's yeah. a lot of movies that got moved out real quick. I mean, the biggest snub was In the Heights. Like I loved that movie. I, g- I gave it a 93. It is nowhere near my list, and it sucks. <laughs> yeah. it, it, that's that's where the recency bias comes in. But um, movies that I loved, like Lamb and even the Tragedy of Macbeth, like they're not on there. And Spider Man, when we, when we reviewed it, I gave it like an 87, and I was like, oh, it's pretty high. Like I I still kind of enjoyed it. Um, it just wasn't on. It wasn't the comic book movie that I like loved. And um, yeah. there's a lot of misses. There's a lot of misses. That doesn't mean that they're bad. I just if I had a top twenty list, trust me, that it would be a hitter list. Oh yeah, I love it. Um, but um, but we're we're doing top tens, and that's fine. But that's where it. You know, like I don't know if things are predetermined or if you kind of like know when you're gonna love something and 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 you just do and um. When I saw the trailer for this movie, I, I just knew that this was going to be, like, a number one. And uh, there's been a few where I've gotten wrong where I was like, damn, yeah. like, I, like, Dear there's Evan a world. Hansen. 
Yeah, like shit, right? Like there's I'm gonna make a bogus list. I'm gonna tell no one, but I'm gonna just do a bogus list and it's gonna be just like my top ten and it's Dear Evan Hansen's gonna be like number one. And then I'm gonna have like West Side Story number two, and then I'm gonna have like just all these movies that just did, didn't land with me. Yeah. That someone could be like, Oh bro, like this is a good list. I'm like, bro, like I'm like kidding. These movies sucked. Um but uh but when I saw the trailer to Licorice Pizza, I oh. knew I was going to love this movie, and I was so damn happy that when I watched it, I did. I'm cooler than you. Don't forget it. I don't need you to tell me whether I'm cool or not, old lady. What was that? I said, lady. I said, milady. My lady. I don't need you to tell me whether I'm cool or not. You're not cool, and your breath smells. Um. I, I just had a feeling this one was going to be something that I was going to love. And, and I, 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 I did sure enough. Um, freaking, uh, it's directed and written by Paul Thomas Anderson, who is famous from boogie nights, done a bunch of other films too. Um, but that's like the biggest one, the one that I got to know him with. And, um, uh, the story here is pretty much of Alana Kane and Gary Valentine. Uh, they're two uh, people in the world, and they're growing up, running around, and going through the treacherous navigation of first love in the San Fernando Valley, 1973. So when you're watching this movie, you get that nostalgic, like old Hollywood feel. The story how this was created with Paul Thomas Anderson was essentially he was talking to his buddy. Uh, who was a, like a child actor, Gary Getzman. And um, he's, you know, starred in Ed Sullivan show, yours, mine, and ours with Lucille Ball. Um, he has some crazy stories. They were sharing these crazy ass stories. And uh, this guy who um, this uh, Valentine character is based on, he, um, he started like a waterbed company. He started a pinball arcade. Like, he was just a, a, a fun dude in that time, and he had some crazy-ass stories, you know? And there was a story with John Peters, who Brad, Bradley Cooper plays in the movie, and, hey. and like, solid performance, could yeah. be Best Supporting Actor. Um, stealing the show. John Peters was like, if you're going to put me in this movie, make sure you put, like, my best pickup line. And he, like, gives it to him. Like, this guy's such a, like, a sleazeball. <laughs> Who apparently it was, like, the nicest person, like, because um, Getsman really, like, delivered a waterbed to his house. And apparently he was super nice and super awesome. But um, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson kind of, like, used that and, you know, created this, like, monster version of Peters, who is, like, a complete lunatic, makes one of the best um, moments and just series of moments in this film. Um, but it's it's so good. Watching this movie, I thought it was going to be more on uh, Valentine, right? And you do see a lot of Valentine, but you also do see a lot of uh, uh, Alana Haim, uh, her character, Alana mm. Kane. Um, you see a lot of her. You see her arc. You see what's going on here. And um, in essence, it's two people that kind of have a void in their life and each other is filling that void. So uh, Alana is getting something out of Gary. Gary's getting something out of Alana. The big thing here is that Gary Valentine's 15. Alana is 25. So there is an age gap here. Um, but in no way when you're watching this movie, do you feel like, like, ugh, like gross, like, or just like, Oh, this is wrong. It, it is wrong. Like it's not okay. 
But the way this movie plays out, it, it's like don't don't let that distract you from the story that it's telling, um, because it is a really good film and and just all the feelings in this film, all all and like the adults in this movie are like gross, like those people are weird, and but that's like Hollywood, that's old back in the day, like. Sean Penn plays a character and he's just a weirdo. And um, there's this super problematic scenes with John Michael Higgins. He plays a weird guy that owns these restaurants and he's like racist. Um, But people like that existed. People like that were in the world. And um, it's, it's, you know, it's Hollywood back in the day and, you know, we're living in a different time now, but um, it's pretty authentic to, I guess how, California or Hollywood was back in the day. You see a lot of weird, crazy moments. And um, the movie, I guess you could say, like, doesn't have a story. It's a collection of, like, a lot of... I mean, it was based on a bunch of little stories. But there's some arcs there. You you see what happens with Alana. You see what happens with uh, Valentine. Um, and and I just loved it. I, I, I really enjoyed the chemistry. It feels so real. They look so real. Alana is in a band, yeah. uh, Haim, and uh, her and her sisters who are in the movie. Her whole damn family is in the movie because Paul Thomas Anderson, he knows that family. You know? When he was a kid, Paul Thomas Anderson had a crush on uh, Alana's mom because she was like a teacher or something like that. So there's like a <laughs> lot of like just real life experience in this movie. Um, but... Uh, but it's super genuine. It's super real. And it's like a passion project. Like he, he wrote this with Alana in mind and she said, yes. And she did a great job. And, and when I'm talking about like it feeling like super genuine, like they're like, they have like misshaped teeth or like they have gaps in her teeth. They're not perfect. Like you look at Alana and there's a lot of close-ups. She's not wearing like the most makeup. Uh, um, and that's good. I, I feel like it really displays, um, how like young love could be or like it really displays the immaturity in this film. Um, but, um, but I, you know, Cooper Hoffman who plays Gary Valentine, he's the son of Philip Seymour Hoffman, RIP, you know, and Paul Thomas Anderson worked closely with him. Um, unfortunately he passed away, but he got his son in the movie, which is dope. Shout out to Alana. Alana did such a great job in this movie. She, acted very very well i don't think she's done many movies right i think she's i mean she's a rock star yeah she's done music videos done some stuff but she really acted really really well and it's a long movie it's it's kind of long there's a lot of stories in there um but she handled it and i i you know i'm i i'm closer in age with her for sure so i kind of see some of the struggles that she's going through where she's like dude what the hell am i doing like what's what's life like am i even like doing the right thing in life like I kind of suck and you see like her doing different things to try to make herself feel like, you know, important or successful or whatever, but the raw energy and just optimism that Cooper Hoffman has, we used to have that. I know I did. I, I, I used to be so like inspired to do stuff. And then I got older and that energy went away. And uh, so it was refreshing to see Cooper Hoffman as, you know, this, this kid that's like just freaking figuring out ways to be successful. He's kind of like, just like doing schemes here and there running around and super immature. And, um, and, and just that back and forth of like immaturity and like grown up, like it was just, I don't know. It made for a good dramatic movie. I mean, it's, it's a movie. It's dramatized. Um, but it was a good story, man. I freaking loved it. The soundtrack was awesome. It, it really felt like a movie in the seventies. I gave it 97 waterbeds. Uh, through what a review of problematic nostalgic Hollywood. Yeah, no, it was a good movie. It was my eleventh movie. Like I, 
I got rid of it this morning. I mean, I was it was like on the phone with you when I was like, all right, I'm taking off licorice pizza. Like, ah, <laughs> no. Fun fact, bro, that was actually my number one. I was like, damn, all right, well. So no, and it's a uh, it's, it's it's a great movie, ton of ton of fun. Uh, you know the yeah, the, it's a problematic. I mean, people have called it like a grooming movie. Like this is like oh, all these grooming movies, but this is not really grooming because he's he's 15. And he's yeah. seeking her out. Now she should not engage in that relationship. Yeah. But it's not like a problem. I mean, this is it's not like, she like says it to you. sex yeah. or it's not like, like it doesn't no. really get weird at all, if you ask no. me. Which is, you know, something like Red Rocket, although technically legal, um, is much more awkward to watch than oh, yeah. this. Yeah. Uh so yeah. But some people have made a much ado about that age gap. And uh Bradley Cooper's a role in this movie, I mean, he steals the show. Easily, in my opinion, the best scene in the movie. Is oh, yeah. uh, him walling out and just doing everything he does and just being a complete asshole. And uh, that I just uh, the truck and then running out of gas and pushing it yeah. around and yeah, all the and all she, that stuff she did her own perfect. stunts. Alana did her own stunts. That's she awesome. Like figured out how to <laughs> drive this truck, and so like when that scene ends and you see the stress in her, it's for real. It's like, real. Yeah. Like, it's stress the fuck out. <laughs> no man, I believe it. And yeah, you know yeah. you're right. You know they don't. You know he's actually Cooper Hoffman is actually 15, so they don't put any makeup on him, so he looks like a 15 year old, and that's yeah. you know part of that when you're talking about it's real. I, I read Alana Heim uh, didn't wear any makeup, and when she did, she applied it herself. There was no like makeup department. So again, yeah. it just looks real. Like this is an actual person putting on makeup, not like professionals dolling someone up. And yeah, it never, it never once for a second felt insincere. Um, yeah, I mean, I have my reasons for not throwing it on the top ten, but I really, really, really liked Licorice Pizza. I thought it was a great movie and uh, definitely worthy of uh, any spot in someone's top ten, including number one. Hell yeah, brother! All right, which brings us to my number one movie, which I feel like is going to be anticlimactic because I'm going to say people are going to be like, what is that? Uh, so my number one is going to be a movie called Boiling Point. I told us to use the other one. It was my fault. All right. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. She needs to stay calm, all right, yeah? Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. What am I going to do? We'll get through it. Right? It's my fault, though. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. We just need to take it one step at a time. Okay. All right? Yeah? On top of no, 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 don't tell me I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm here covering your ass every single day, Andy. I can't take it anymore. Uh, yeah. This oh. is whoa. This is uh, hey. written and directed by Philip Barantini, starring Stephen Graham, uh, <laughs> Vinette Robinson, and Alex Feetham. Uh, Steve, yeah, Stephen Graham. He was like Tommy in the movie Snatch from like 2000. Uh, most recently, oh. he was in uh, Venom: Let There Be Carnage. He's like the detective Mulligan. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I know yeah. that guy. Yeah, so, yeah. so he's he's a good British guy. Um, this yeah. movie, I so I discovered this movie by going on like Rotten Tomatoes, just like top movies of the year, and anything that looked interesting, I just like created a new tab, created a new tab, and I had like 20 tabs open. 
And I just looked at each one and I was like, oh, maybe I'll add this to the list. Happened to add this one to the list and uh, it got me. It got me good. Uh, so the synopsis here is, enter the relentless pressure of a kitchen as a head chef wrangles his team on the busiest day of the year. So a couple things to know about this movie. Probably probably the most impressive thing. Again, it's pretty much all takes place in one location. This is three in a row, pretty much one location films. Uh, this is a true one-take film. So this whole movie was done in one take. Uh, this is not, and it's not what? like Birdman or 1917 where there's like, you know, little cuts here and there to make it seem like one take, but it's not. They actually filmed this all in one take, and it just, oh, it's so good, man. Uh, so, you know, movies like Birdman and 1917, you know, I've shown that this can be extremely effective, specifically 1917. Super immersive, such a good movie, really draws you in. And part of it is the camera not leaving those characters. It, it like it, and again, we talk about like it doesn't let you breathe. Like these movies, you know, you're sitting there, it's following this kitchen around, it's following the wait staff, it's following the cooks. It just doesn't give you a chance to breathe. You're like, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen? And I just related to it in so many ways, and I think that's why it it you know came to number one is because you know all these movies kind of had that like tension, and all these movies really created this stressful environment that I, I really enjoy when I'm watching a movie, but I actually related to this one because I've worked in a kitchen and it rang true. You know, this movie starts out with like the health inspector there and him going through everything. And then people start coming in and then there's, you know, someone there critiquing the food and there's a special guest and, um, you know, things aren't prepped correctly. People are sending back the food saying it's not right. All this stuff's going on. And meanwhile, we have problematic guests and some of them are, you know, borderline like harassing the servers and everything the servers are going through and people are showing up late and it's just, it all works. Anyone who's worked in that kind of environment understands it. Uh, and I, I just absolutely love the experience. So um, this one, again, this is another uncut gems uh, comparison. People are calling this uncooked gems. So killing it. Love it. Dude, uh, that's <laughs> awesome. So this is a quick watch, 92 minutes, one take. Uh, it's just, and it, it's just so good. Uh, the only thing I'll say for this movie, their accents are so heavy that I had to throw subtitles on. I was not catching what was going on in this movie. I watched about five minutes of it. I was like, all right, let me restart this with subtitles because I don't know what people are saying at all. And then like 20 minutes into the movie, one of the characters even says like, oh, your accent's so strong. I don't understand the word you're saying. And I was like, hey, shit, me neither, man. I don't understand the damn word. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, God someone said yeah. something. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> um, so yeah one take hitter super immersive really really brings you in and this is is an, another covid story right so yeah they they were gonna film eight takes of this they they yes. had the movie they had it plotted out they were gonna do eight takes over four days two takes per day um they did the first day which was like you know they're kind of wrinkling out all the errors they did their but they did their first two takes and that night, it was like, well, COVID's really hitting, you know? I feel like all these movies started in March for some reason, right? But COVID starts hitting, like, things start shutting down, NBA shuts down. And then people on the crew were like, oh, I don't think it's safe to be in, like, this small environment, this restaurant. We're all next to each other. It's not safe. Like, so crew started quitting after the first day because things were getting so real with the COVID stuff. So the producers ended up calling and were like, hey, we could probably only do one more day of this, but then we got to send everyone home. This isn't safe. So they went from doing eight takes to only doing four. And they found out those last two were the only, so they're like, we got one more day, we'll do two more. And they ended up using that third take they did. The first one the next day was the uh, one they 
they ended up putting out. But yeah, just crazy, crazy stuff. Like it was just like, boom, we thought we had eight takes and then they cut off half of them. And it's just, you just got to do what you got to do. But he did say the director, Philip Berntini, said that this is the easiest film he's ever had to edit because you just uh, you can't do anything. So you just kept it. He's like, it was great. Uh, and that the only thing they had to like fix little things like the clock was said like 3 p.m. and they forgot to change the clock. So like someone digitally went in and changed the clock and things like that. But he's like, besides little <laughs> like visual effects here and there, he's like, the movie is one straight shot, no cuts. And it's uh, super impressive. So Boiling Point, definitely recommend. Uh, it's only available on demand. It's on Vudu for $3.99 and on Prime Video for $6.99. Brother, I, uh, I Googled it. I'm on IMDb, and you're absolutely correct. Like that's just, it's a one take hitter. Like they just did it <laughs> yeah. this way. Like I was like, no, nah, there's gotta be like at least like three like nah. visible cuts, and then just none. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so dope. Um, super like talk about a hard day at work, huh? Um, ew, dude, that's freaking dope, man. This is so good. I, I. I I don't think, and because you told me you were like, bro, like I don't even think you know my number one at all. We never talked about it, like you <laughs> yeah. never mentioned it. There was a few foreign films that I had on my list that like to watch, and I just got yeah. rid of them because they were just so damn hard to try to find. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, ah, it's it's all right. It'll like come up, and I'll I'll watch it. It'll, it'll be all right. You know, I'll I'll try again once they get nominated for like best foreign film, and yeah, you know, like I'll just look look at it again because I love the Oscar so much. Um. But this one, I don't think came up. I I might have, if I did see it, I might have looked past it because it, the poster itself looks like, um, the movie Bradley Cooper did, which was uh, yeah, like was it Burn or was something it something like that? Yeah, some some shit like that. That was a remake of another movie or something. <laughs> yeah, and I'm finding out this one Boiling Point's a remake of another Boiling Point in 2019. I don't know if it was done in one take, but yeah. Um, so yeah, the first boiling point was actually like a proof of concept. So it's the same director. Stephen Graham's also in that one. It's just okay. like a short film of the actual film. So they oh, filmed like a, so a 20 awesome. minute one Fuck and yeah. then they extrapolated it for the full feature. Oh, I love that so much. That's so awesome. Yeah. It's like Sim- Shiva baby is the same way. They have like a Shiva baby short and then they did the full one. Yeah. That's um, what, you know, they did that with whiplash too. They did yeah. A little, I a think short of oh, whiplash. Who was I, I listening? They made the whole movie. The um the director of Coda was talking to someone, and she said like, "There's a you know, there's like a joke in, in around Hollywood where it's like you just make a sh- make a short that's successful, and all your dreams can come true." And she's like, "But for real, like that's what happened." And her first movie before Coda was uh, Tallulah, and she made like a short, and then it won like a bunch of awards at Cannes, and then she was able to create like a feature length movie of it so it's you're all, gonna be like here's the kicker the like she was not able to make that film like, yeah even track well i plot twist Brother, it took like 10 years to make it well we need to make a short film dude oh uh, yeah yeah that's it uh, yeah people yeah, are do doing that we get i want to write produce. something there's one of, i i you know there's something I, i've been playing with something in my head for a while now i got some stuff written i Oh, I think is, that, some, uh, is that what your dreams are for uh, 2022 season two screen champs? We could do a whole live reading. That'd be sick. <laughs> no, I just want to. I just want to watch movies. I think like at the end of every month, I'm gonna go to like ComingSoon.net or whatever I feel like is the best compiler of movies that were released, and just make sure I've watched everything I need to watch. I'm gonna be like that guy on TikTok. that's like I've watched ten movies in the last ten days. Here they are. Yeah, that guy. Number I, one. Yeah, I like him. He's all right. 
He's pretentious. I mean, you be honest. Like he's Just a little bit. Yeah, he's a little pretentious. I saw his top ten. And I was like, ah, I hate people like you. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I like some of the stuff you say, but damn, do I hate you? <laughs> yeah, guy, like relax. Nah, he's yeah, he's all right. I think like I feel like sometimes people will send stuff to me like, hey, look at this guy, he's killing it. Like, hey, y'all need to chill out. Like, he's all right. He's just <laughs> saying shit out loud. Um, it's not that serious. <laughs> You know, like, come on. Uh, but no, it's cool. I respect it. So are we, right? So are we. Same yeah, it's better than the other guy that's like, imagine if you walk to your, and it's just like a movie that we've all seen. Yeah. Like, imagine you build a social media company with your best friend and then decide to <laughs> stab him in the back. Like, yeah. social network, watch it on them. Like, bro, shut up. <laughs> Everyone's seen that movie. The worst ones for me are like, I just saw the scariest movie of all time. Seriously, lock your doors, shut your windows, turn your lights on because you're not going to be able to sleep after this. So it's it's I'm like all right, bro, like we're and then it's just like the Baba Duke. I'm like, it's yeah, like the Baba. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was exactly I what I was seeing. <laughs> the Baba Duke. <laughs> it's a good movie. I get it. Like it's good. Yeah, okay, yeah. for it's sure. Like elevated okay. horror. Oh but, like, wow, it's also, it's the scariest yeah, movie ever. It's also, like, a jump scare. I get it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You see the Baba Duke, okay, whatever. <laughs> ba, 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 Duke. Yeah, yeah. damn, the Baba Duke sounds like a dish. What are you having <laughs> for dinner tonight? Awesome, Baba Duke. Oh, oh, damn! Didn't know it was a special occasion. God damn, shit! All right, get your Baba Duke on. Mm. I don't know if that's racist or not, but hey, little, hey whoa, whoa, ba- hey, what? <laughs> but yeah, man, solid top ten list of. Yeah. I am so proud of you. Um, having some real ass movies Thank on you. there. Is there anything you. that you wish was on there? You're like, fuck, dude. I let this one down. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so there's some. Like, there's a few that you mentioned, but I know there's one that like kind of like hurts. You're like, damn it. No, I think so. There's. I I really would have liked to have Malignant on here. Um, yeah, Malignant hurt. Pig hurt when I took it off. Yeah. Um, taking no time to die hurt. Taking it off. I'm still not. Yeah, sure that one was that on happened. like. It went from like seven to like eight to like nine to like ten. And I was like, okay, you're here. You're, yeah. you're on your way out, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because uh, I, I had the same experience too when I watched it. Much like Dune, I was like, fuck, man, this is a movie. This is a movie. Yeah. The way it starts and then the and then the title card happens like after like seven, ten minutes. Yeah. And then the, the song starts playing and you see the freaking Old like. Eilish, yeah. I was like, hell yeah, bro. This is. Freaking James Bond. He leaves that girl at the train station. I'm like, bro, that's yeah. James Bond right there. Holy shit. Him. Oh, yeah. It started <laughs> oh, off. Think. The way it starts off, I was like, what the fuck? Is that? I'm She's watching a, a Swedish horror film. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it's intense. He's shooting everything up. And then the, the ice and everything. Yeah, crazy, right? So no time to die hurt. Uh, those are those are all ones that I just you know thought were great. You know, there's movies you brought up in the Heights. Another one that I gave a high score to, and uh, snubbed it. Yeah, honestly, like when I was making the slit, didn't even write it down, you know. And so there's, <laughs> I, I, but I do like it, and that's another thing too with like Encanto, where. But I, I did joke like if you know, like you were saying, if we keep going, if we wait another day, Encanto is going to be number ten. But because it just keeps growing on me, the more I think yeah. about it. But like in Kanto, I rated pretty high as well, but I did not c- like really think of it as like, oh, this is going on my top 10. Even like with Soul, Soul made it on my top 10 last year. Easy, it was like number three, but in Kanto, oh, yeah. it didn't even cross my mind. So I-, I don't know what it is, but my top 10 is definitely not based on scores. It was more just like, you know, feel- and even Licorice Pizza. Like I-, I-, I was like, all right, honestly, which movie really spoke to me more? 
And I was like, all right, I got to go with this one. I got to drop off licorice pizza. And so it was really kind of like just gut checks, gut feelings at the last minute. There was zero like score involved. So that's why I did not have scores ready. Uh, but I like, I can't get over your 91 tweets again. So <laughs> the way I just said it to you. I was just yeah. Like, I was never great. trust those. 91 tweets. Let's, let's go. Let's, yeah. Let's, um, yeah, I, I I wish Lamb made my list. Like that's just the one that I really. It was the first one I put down. I knew it was gonna like last, but I, I, I Lamb was surprisingly very very wholesome. I mean, it seems like wholesome is just a word that I'm tossing around so much. Wholesome, it's true. Too. Nothing wrong with wholesome. Lamb is so wholesome, so good. And like my my uncle, he has this little dog. It kind of reminds me so much of that Lamb. So I just want to buy like a little. Pet, a little 824 sweater and you know throw mm, it on there and there you pretend. go i've got like a little lamb lifestyle here um unfortunately like it'll end with me being killed by a freaking goat creature but i mean it's an Thanks. awesome movie Spoilers. good movie watching ah you're not gonna see it sorry <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna watch this <laughs> no one's gonna watch lamb. <laughs> oh, bro. that's so true super wholesome though super super duper wholesome <laughs> sweet man that's sweet all right. Well, I think that wraps up our uh, very long episode, even with some editing. This this shit's going to go on for a cool <laughs> minute. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm super happy with our top tens. Like I said, we 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 mean it. Like, we put these together. Like, this is this is from the heart. So these top tens were, like, it was it was painstaking putting it together in a good way. It was a lot of fun, but it's it's a lot of work, a lot of watching, a lot of movie watching. Oh, yeah. A lot of watching. Yeah. A lot of, like, navigating life. Making sure and movies just, on. It's like yeah. it, it came a point like if a movie wasn't on, like I was like, yeah. It's like why are you wasting time? But a movie, like, bro. What am I doing? That's like yeah. Throw it on. Yeah. Honestly, There's a lot of COVID helped too. COVID gave me some time that I wouldn't have had normally. I yeah. I also had some time to sit down and watch movies. And my days off, I was like, hell yeah, dude. I'm gonna have a 12 p.m. showtime. I got I got a 3 p.m. showtime. I got a 7 p.m. showtime. You know. 10 p.m. If I'm feeling brave, a little midnight screener hitter. Love it. And uh, oh, you know what? You know what's on Netflix right now as we're finishing this episode? What's up? Season four of Ozark, baby. Let's go. You watch Ozark? No. God damn. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Bro, you gotta watch Ozark. This shit's dope. <laughs> no, you know, no. I it's just like, watched all of Cobra Kai. That's what I did. Oh, bro, it's like Breaking Bad, but on Netflix. It's awesome. Jason Bateman, oh, dude. Jason Bateman. Shit. Yeah, he's like, hey, bud. Yeah. 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 I'm a money <laughs> launderer. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, bud. That's think we're gonna on. go home now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's my Jason Bateman. <laughs> no, no, oh, good. dude, it's licorice good. pizza. Licorice pizza. Did you cash that John C. Riley cameo? Yeah, like was was that him? <laughs> immediately, like immediately. Yeah. I you know because I always stay for the end credits, and I saw his name. I was like, I freaking knew. He's like Eddie Munster. Yeah, like for a second, He's like, like a split second, <laughs> for just a split second. But what's crazy about it is you knew it. You knew, you're like it was a split second, but it's still like oh shit, is that John C. Riley? Like it was like he's the most recognizable person in the world. Like I don't random, know. Like, it just, yeah, yeah, it just works. Yeah. Like just the smallest cameo. I guess the only cameo smaller than that is, I guess Tom Hardy is in like 
the new Matrix movie somewhere in the background because they were filming Venom like while that was going on. <laughs> okay. I, didn't, I did not catch him. I could not find nice. him. I was looking like Waldo and shit. I was like, bro, you guys are lying to me. I think someone just went on IMDb and just made some shit up. And I just rolled with it. But, I mean, apparently he was in it. So I lost you, bro. It's all right. Here. All right. I'll do the. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up our episode for the day. For whatever reason, the madman just dropped out of our uh, recording situation here. I got him on another audio, but you guys can't hear him. Uh, We don't know what happened. But at least it happened right at the end of the episode. We'll catch you guys later. Season two. We're back, baby. Let's go. Peace. Like there's, there's so many movies I haven't seen that are like big movies. I was talking to my buddy about um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Mm. Like I remember seeing some of it, but not all of it. And it's across the board. It's like in people's top fives, different people, you know, some people are horror people, some people are like comedy people, some people are action people. It seems like that one always sticks. That one's always number like up there number four number five all time favorite movie and i'm trying to see what that's all about i will say this and this this might be a controversial opinion yeah i'm not going to say anything good or bad about the movie okay but i will say this (laughs) no one (laughs) no one has it in their top five that watched it for the first time after they were 15 years old like Uh, no there's not one person um that's all i'm gonna say That's all, and that's not to say the movie is like not funny. Like comedy is so subjective, right? And there's, yeah, gosh, there's there's one movie that always sticks out to me, which is The Jerk with Steve Martin, and it, it's a movie that when it was presented to me uh, by my parents, it was like this movie is this is comedy. This is absolutely hilarious. This is the funniest thing you'll ever see. Steve Martin is great, and we put on the movie, and there's definitely some moments that are funny, but it is not like a you know falling out of your chair, knee slapping like comedic movie that it was and it doesn't play the same way that it did back when it came yeah, out that's true and things change you know and uh i mean it's been a long time since monty python and the holy grail came out now that being said i know people are very passionate about it i would never say a bad thing about it i do think that if you did not see it when you were young and this, this is this happens to all of us but if you didn't see it when you're young I, I don't know if it's gonna be like i would be surprised if you found it hilarious i'll say that you're like five years old. You're like, this is so funny. This <laughs> funny thing I've ever seen, bro. Funniest Comedy movie is ever. so subjective. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> and I know, I know for sure personally that there's two listeners that are very passionate about that movie. Uh, so and again, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I just wanted to just those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts. That movie came out like in the 70s, right? Uh, might as well have been a thousand years ago. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Was it said I'm a trip out? It was like, oh, 1984. Like, no way, there's no way. <laughs> it feels like in the 60s. <laughs> I, I understand. I, I, I just want to say again, I understand how much people love this movie. It is not lost on me. I understand it's an important movie, an important comedy. Don't at me about this. Like, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, yeah, but people get very passionate about the movies they like. 
Like, if someone told me they don't think Tropic Thunder's funny, which we just mentioned, I'd be like, ah, why not? Ah, like, I mean, I was, that's ah, different. What do you mean? Yeah. What do you yeah, mean? that's different. What exactly is <laughs> funny about it to you? <laughs> so, I mean, I get it. I get it. You're a big Monty Python and the Holy Grail fan, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, huge, huge. Love coconuts. That's funny. It's like a joke in the movie. <laughs> the horse. The guy I, I wouldn't know, man. I wouldn't yeah. know. I just thought it'd be funny. There you go. I like it. I'm down to find out about the coconut joke. <laughs> it's like the first five minutes of the movie. Or Damn. the guy gets all his arms and legs cut off. And it's like, oh, it's a flesh wound. But it's like he, he has no arms and legs anymore. Like it's more it's more than flesh. It's like he's being dismembered. Hilarious. It's funny. It's funny. It really is. Maybe I should just watch the Rift Tracks version of that. <laughs> just watch it with commentary. Watch like the Cinema Sins YouTube. God, those are the worst. All right. Yeah. The dude. worst. Okay. <laughs> I hate this. He was like, Cinema Sin. Uh, this door color with this wall, that doesn't match. That's ah. like, wait, what is going on? Like, when there's no way, there's no way when their channel started that it was so like stupid, but it really got there. And now it's just like, Cinema Sins, like those blinds with this curtain. Yeah, right. Um, I hate it. Anyway, so <laughs> they have some good content on there. Shout out, Cinema oh, Sins. Shout out, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You get sponsored or something. They're I don't know. Listen to it right now. Like, what the, the fuck, dude? Dude, it's my whole life. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>